coming up on episode 58 of Pixel Guide In. We hear the thoughts of a very young Eric. Tim ships a computer overseas. It's a battle of the arcade running guns. Our thoughts on the new Evercade console. We drink beer from south of the border. We admit we're jealous of each other's hardware. Old game companies are new again. Star Wars and video games are the perfect match. And the boys sweat it out in the studio. Welcome. It is uh, heating up here. Heating up in the... Quite literally. Yeah, quite literally. It is hot days here in uh, Northern California. How have you you been there? I've been sweaty. Yeah. I've been moist, Eric. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Driving around, I got these new seat covers in my car. They are not. They're, they're not. Are the they best. the the rolly ones you see in like New York taxis, like the little wood bead ones? No, they're not. It's not that. Apparently, bad. those are actually pretty nice. They're probably, probably pretty comfortable, but uh, no. <laughs> but it, the ones I have are they hold the heat in, which oh, is really? great in the winter, not in the summer. Gotcha, gotcha. But things are going pretty well. Well, I'll apologize to any of our listeners. If you hear my AC in the background, we tried to to do without. Yeah. But it literally, I didn't even realize my house was eighty five degrees inside today before we said nope. AC's going on. Listeners can deal with a little background noise. So, yeah. Nonetheless, uh, welcome to Pixel Guide In, the pixeliest of all the Guide In pod- podcasts. Um, we are part of the Amigos Retro Gaming Network, if you did not know, Eric. We are part of that. Uh, so, real quick, I just want to let you guys know um, some other things that have been happening in the world of the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. Uh, our, uh, the, the, other, the other big show from the podcast, the headlining show, The Amigos. Yes. Uh, which named the network. That's why they're the headlining show. Uh, recently did episode 298 on Monkey Island 2. They did. Which is, uh, I actually listened to that one. It was really that means a great game but it they, is they had some great points uh boat made some very good uh very uh intelligent comments about how the gameplay and why it works and things like that things like we just play fart sounds he actually has <laughs> they have insight in, yeah they have insightful comments and we just have fart noises which yeah. i have to laugh because their last episode 297 eric mm-hmm. if you remember our last episode yeah tim uh helped with the six good games segment that's right and one of his good games with the game was a game called action fighter yeah all right, so their episode two ninety seven. I'll just tell you the title. It's Action Fighter Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So hopefully the Amiga version was worse, and our show is not just devoid of intelligence. But uh, on ARG presents, uh, they're on number one sixty six. They talk about the game franchise franchise on the TRS eighty, the Trash eighty computer. Coco. And it was, and, uh, it was one of, from the Coco. Yeah. Uh, well, I think this one, well, this one just says Trash 80. I don't know. Okay. It was the car. I listened to the show. Did you? I haven't yeah. listened to it yet. Yep. It, but I do want to listen to it because they also cover Aerobiz on the SNES, which is a, if I remember right, like a, a SNES, um, what do you call it? Air, air traffic control sim or airport sim. It, it, it's, uh, yeah, like a like an airline management because you have to buy planes. You have to pay for advertising. You have to do everything running an airline. I'll check that so out. So that was very interesting. And they were talking about the SNES version as well as... I guess it had sequels and and all sorts of stuff. It was a very interesting listen. 
Uh, our buddy Rob Flacquahera on Sprite Castle covered uh, Gauntlet in episode 59. I heard that today. Good stuff. I, I played it? Gauntlet I want to know what the, the I want to know what he ate, but don't tell me. I'll have to, I'll have to catch. All I know is that a uh, blue mage ate all the food or whatever. <laughs> um, on Artisan Claire, they cover Monte Carlo Casino. On the Coco Show, they covered res- Rescue of Fractalis. And on 1200XL, they uh, had a ninth episode only. I know it just recently started backed up. Yeah. Uh, Archon, which is a game I have finally tried. I own a copy of it. Yep. And I need probably I probably need to listen because I can't figure it out yet. Yeah, you got to learn because it, <laughs> it, it, people go into it thinking I know how to play chess. This is going to be easy. It's it it's nothing like chess. Yep, absolutely. Coming up on yep. this episode of Pixel Guide In, which you're listening to now, uh, we of course are going to drink beer. We yes. of course are going to have quick questions, and of course we're going to have the news. But we also have a segment with uh, with you, Eric. And what is that on? It is a day in the life of young Eric. It, I took a day. There's a little backstory to this because I didn't even explain it. I just went right into it in my segment. I have a journal entry in a li- literally a written journal from 1980. I think it was 85 or 86. And I read through that recently, and so I pieced it into a segment where I read it. And he said, the world needs to know about this. Exactly. And I read my day in the <laughs> life, and it covers, surprisingly, it covers a lot of what would be now retro computer, but it's basically Commodore 64 stuff. Well, and, I hope so, if it's on our show. Yep. And then Tea Time with Tim later will be on the Amiga. It's his Amiga special, as he put it. Ooh. Um, we are also going to cover a battle of the systems where we battle two games out. Eric and I will be playing two uh, run and gut arcade games, which yeah. came out at the same time: Metal Slug Five versus Demon Front. And then on uh, the next episode this month, on the thirtieth, Eric, mm-hmm. uh, I have a little segment where I'm going to go over the uh, ten games you need to start with when you first turn on your Pico Eight for the first time. That's awesome. We've been getting a lot of uh, feedback over the last few months about people saying, "Hey, we want to want more Pico Eight stuff." So that's great. And a little uh, feedback on that is, I got a. Uh, we'll talk more about it later. A little camera setup and some uh, capture cards and things like that. I plan on providing video footage and putting that on YouTube as well. Awesome. We're finally starting to get there. Eric. All three of us are going to be putting video content up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And then also on that next episode, of course, we have our game show. We'll catch up and talk about all the things we've been doing and cover six good spin-off games spin-off games and it's going to be uh it, I, I can predict now that the arguments are not going to be so much about the quality of the games but are they spin-offs or not <laughs> i already yeah i see the list here and I'm i already, know i'm my fisticuffs are thrown down the gauntlet all right uh let's hop right into what we call quick questions quick questions who's going first today I think the community is going first, Eric. Do you want to go ahead and... uh... I I will read this, and I think you came up with this, but it is the community question. So here we go. What are the best and worst game system startup splash screens? And you know what I mean by that, right? I was trying to put it it well. Yep. Um, So I went ahead and uh, threw this out to our Discord Mm -hmm. group, and if you guys want to know how to get on that, you can hear it in just a few minutes. We'll give our show information out there. Uh, join us on the Discord and interact with us on there. It'd be awesome. Um, but we got, of course, a bunch of feedback. So let's start with one by Lord Soup here. He says, My favorite is probably the GameCube Splash. His least favorite is probably the uh, PlayStation, the original PlayStation, which had a horrid, horrid flickery, weird logo thing. Uh, also, he gives honorable mentions to the Dreamcast and Saturn. Uh, let's hop on down to. Mr. Boat of Car himself from the Amigos. Yeah. 
says, uh, GameCube, for me, is the best. He agrees. Okay. Uh, worst, uh, he says he doesn't know. That even the bad ones are good. Well, well. Oh, you have not seen the Jaguar, <laughs> which we've been making fun of for the last two months. Yeah. It's so bad. It's so bad. I don't even have one, and it's probably going to rank as my worst. <laughs> it has to. It has to. Um... Paul, a.k.a. Hermsky, says the worst is the dreaded error screen, error screen for any of the systems when they die on boot. Eh, kind of cheated there, but I like the creativity. Two yeah. points for, for creativity. Uh, or even during the game when you're almost at completion, he just says ARG. Um, but I think he has to say the ZX81 with its plain white screen and a flashing cursor in the bottom left of the screen when you turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, a lot of the, con- the, lot of the microcomputers don't really have what I would call splash screens, right? They just boot right into whatever CLI they have. Well, I believe in that one, he's actually it actually does that for a second and then goes to the OS. Yeah. So it kind of is a boot screen. Hmm. Um, Mitsuyama says the Odyssey 2 and or video pack, depending on where you are, over here is the Odyssey 2. Uh, was pretty poor. It's just a multicolored text display saying select game, which he's right. I, I, so I do own one of those, and when I first saw it, I didn't know what it meant. I had to kind of learn, go online and figure out how to start that thing up, but right. yeah, it doesn't even pretend like you have a game in there. It just says select game, and then you press a number, right? which is really weird because you could press anything on the keyboard that comes on. It, it is a video game system with a full keyboard. It's not a computer that plays video games. It's a video game system right. with a full keyboard. And depending on what game you have, you have to know which button, because it could be like press S for Space Command and press M for Missiles. Or it could be another game that's like press 1 for this, press 2 for Like, it has nothing. There's no... Anyways, that's not the startup screen. The select game part is. Um, I kind of agree with that. But he does also vote... Worst game has the game splash screen has to go to the Atari Jaguar, a pathetic roar, the Atari letters dropping in, and then a small spinning cube with a Jaguar on it. Rubbish. Thumbs down. Yeah. Uh, he's a fan of the PlayStation startup screens, including the PS1. Sorry, uh, to who said that earlier? Said the, the PS1. Was that uh, Lord Soup? Yeah. Uh, his favorite has to be the SFM Towns Marty. Yeah, I'd like to see that one. I haven't seen that one. A zooming Starfield, a multicolored spinning orb, sounds like the Jaguar, and a nice little tune. Yeah, it looks like something from an early Amiga demo. Fantastic. Uh, our boy Sanction, who we'll be hearing from shortly, says for him it's the Dreamcast. Uh, it gives him the best feels. Close to that is the Saturn, but the Japanese version specifically. One of the most drab has to be the Master System Mark I power on screen, hmm. um, which is basically just the Sega logo. I don't. I actually kind of like that. Uh, Lord Shoop now agrees. Jags boot up screams cheap. Um... And then Rob, our boy from Sprite Castle, says, Exact opposite of a few people's. My favorite was the original PlayStation, and my least favorite is the GameCube. Ooh. Oh, that's... Ooh, throwing it down. Yeah, these are fighting words. I don't See, it's funny to me. I don't remember the GameCube being particularly exciting or boring. It was just Mm-mm. forgettable. It was forgettable, and then, I, you know, if you didn't have a game in there, it would go to that screen that had, like, these kind of three-dimensional little cubes that would circle that would tell you if there was a memory card in there and stuff like that. So it had some neat polished elements to it, but like like right now, I'm having a hard time even recalling the actual splash screen in the boot-up. I remember it does build the little GameCube. Like, it folds out and then, like, origamis it together. That's right. It flips. That like part's it goes, cool. Yeah, like, almost like dominoes, kind of, but they flip. It's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Josh Malone, 48K Ram, says, I'm going to cheat and pick the Williams Arcade systems that ended the power-on test with all systems go in that colorful screen. That's a beautiful answer. Yeah. That's I, a, I, it's like a big game system. It absolutely is. I remember the one because on Joust, I was playing Joust a lot, and I'd wait for that boot-up screen from Williams, and it, it had that, that same kind of little splash screen. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. And he uh, went ahead and threw down the uh, PlayStation 1 as uh, one he never cared for. Always felt like it was needlessly keeping me away from playing my game. It had a long boot-up screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sanction appreciates that, because he said that gave you time to do the old disc switch uh, to play different region games. Right. Different region games, air quotes. Um, yeah. There we go. Ram okay, Ram okay. One last one. Put me down as another thumbs up for the PlayStation. Yeah. So I don't know. The PlayStation's just PlayStation's, a mess of worms. Yeah. What, so, was, what would yours be, Eric? Well, I, I thought about this. I think my favorite one is probably the Saturn one. I really like that one with okay, the yeah. little elements that kind of come gliding in and the, I, and I love, the sound. I love the fa- yeah, and I love the fact that it's got that rough early video. Like yes. for some reason, it works. For it me. does, and, and I only play my Saturn on on a CRT. Yeah. Um, and it just looks beautiful on the CRT and sounds really well. My least favorite I thought about, and there's a lot that I could say, like the Atari 2600 doesn't really have one, even though like the 5200 and no, yeah, 7800 have the Fuji logo on boot up, but the 2600 doesn't really have one. But if we want one that's annoying, the when we were playing the Battle of the Systems, one thing that really annoyed me, and I don't know if this happens in uh, the home systems for this, the Neo Geo boot up screen... Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, and and like it does a little Neo Geo thing. When that comes up, I, I and it says Pro Gear Spec. Yep, I don't hate, I don't, I don't dislike or like it. It just comes up. But one thing I noticed was, at least on my main machine at home, I can just hit a button and it goes away. I didn't know that for Uh-oh. years, so I'd sit there and wait for the splash screen to come up, and then and then, and then Metal Gear would start. <laughs> I didn't know that, and I don't know if that's maybe just MAME, but you can just hit a button and it goes away. And I'd have been, I would have been saving, think about all that time I would have saved over the years. Yeah, yeah well, usually <laughs> I think that's part of their uh, rotating display, uh, what do you call it, attract mode. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, I, uh, I wouldn't say it's... It's annoying. It so gives I'm, you negative feels. It gives me negative feels right you. now. Yep. I got you. Well, you already know mine's a Jaguar. I mean, that yeah, thing's yeah, atrocious, yeah, yeah. and I will put that out there for everyone to agree with. I'm sorry. If you didn't think of it, that's on the reason you didn't pick that one. And the last couple of episodes, we've already oh drilled gosh. that into the ground. Because it's like four different starting screens smashed together. Because I'd never seen it until our show when we were watching it, because I don't have a Jag, and like I was watching it going, this is... who. <laughs> Whoever did this should have been so, fired. It's so bad. And they okayed that and put that in every system. They sold for a large amount of money. Yeah. Um, my favorite will have to be Dreamcast. Mm, yeah. It's that white hole and that little... And that little spiral. It's a super, yeah, like, um, calming, like, the calm before the storm. Like, ah, something good's about to happen. And then you get hit in the face with whatever game you're playing. Yeah. Um, absolutely love the Dreamcast one. That is my favorite. Now I will do. I do want to mention I, and you guys can go online and watch this if you want. The Amico one for the new Amico, they kind of already created the splash screen. Mm-hmm. It's like twenty seconds long. Yeah, I'm hope, worried about that. I'm hoping it's a, a boardable like the Neo Geo one. Uh, yeah, like, well, I hope you could just pass it on, or maybe it's part of the boot up process, and you, you're going to have to wait. But I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. But it feels a lot like the Atari one to me. It's cleaner and more concise. Not mm-hmm. concise. It's more. Um, it matches, yeah. but it feels like four different startup screens kind of smashed together. Like right when you think it's going to end, another part happens, and then another part, and then some children laugh, and then like another ditty. And I'm like, dude, just let's get to the game. <laughs> like really, it should just be right. that amico, and that's it. Like yeah, maybe a amico, Ding! yeah, something like that. And that's it. Yep. Um, I really wanted to pick the all the Sega games on the Genesis, but they're built into the game, not the actual system itself. That's right. That Sega. Oh yeah. 
Like, that's the best to me. It is. It is. That is the best. I, I think that counts, because we were bringing up Neo Geo and that other one that Josh brought up. Um, I think that counts. Yeah. Uh, second uh, quick question, and final quick question this month, Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to ask you, all right, right now, I'm trying to find the question how I actually worded it. Uh, right now, everything in your day tomorrow gets completely canceled. Yes. I lo- Nobody I lo- is home. I like the sound of this. Nobody's calling. Yeah. You ain't got any responsibilities. Mm-hmm. What you gonna do? <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. What are you gonna do? I would. Uh, I've been really digging Yoshi's Island, so I would make a push to finally finish that. It probably only take a couple hours, so now I got to figure out what to do with the rest of my day. Yeah. But, but I'm pretty close, and we'll talk about that later because it's one of my line items. But um, I'd play that, and uh, honestly, I, I mean, I have such a backlog. I have. Like choice paralysis right now. I don't That's know what I jump That's into. That's usually the issue. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I'd probably play some of that, and I don't know. It's a good question. I, Great I'd answer. To... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what would you do? I also have a backlog, mm-hmm. um, a number of things. I would a uh, try and repair my monitor for my Amiga. Which yeah. needs to be repaired. When, yeah, you got to do that. But I'm again, I'm limiting my time because I can get lost in a loophole. It takes all day and still don't have it finished. So, right, a couple hours on that. I want to start one of the Yakuza games, one of the new ones. I keep hearing more and more about how like bizarre and tremendously fun, and the gameplay changes qu- constantly. Mm-hmm. I want to try to dig myself into a new game. I usually play old stuff, and I have one new game I'm playing. I yeah. don't really have one right now. Uh, and then I would try to finally dig into Sam's journey and get that going on the Commodore 64. Yeah, you'll love that one. I, I love that game, so I would play that too. Oh, another one I, I thought of. I, I need to finish Soul Force. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I got so much into that, the Sarah Jane Avery one. Yep. Uh, I got so into it, and then I had to move on to other things for podcasts, homework, and stuff like that. I got to go back and do that, so that would be another couple hours. And beer. And beer, of course. Yes. Well, there we go. I think we have uh, answered our quick questions. Yeah. So, Eric, how about we let the people know where they can uh, get a hold of us and uh, so on and so forth. So, if you want to find show information, you're going to go to pixelguiden.com. If you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach me, Eric Nelson, at Project D-U-H Project. You can reach the show at at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Cody at at oddball, which is O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim at Sanction, at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast catcher that you use. That would be really helpful for us. And if you want to email us, you can email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we do encourage feedback. We also have a Patreon account set up. So if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. 
This month we're doing something interesting because I honestly have no idea what it is, but apparently our British listeners will know it immediately. So let's go ahead and check out those charts. The newcomer at number 40, the handsome 10-minute Amiga Retrocast. Moving up a spot this month and eking out number 39, the aberrant David Modelak. Falling two places in the 38th spot, we have the uncovered Roy Fielding. Boogie-woogieing his way up into 37th, it's the slippery Mr. Toast. In the 36th spot this week, we have the evanescent Team Grey all the way. A long fall from Grace lands the wasteful Maciej Sosnowski in the 35th spot. Keeping it even in the 34th spot, we have the Sticky Paradroid. Out of seemingly nowhere, a newcomer in the 33rd spot, the jittery Ramoke Ramoke. On his way up for the third week in a row in the 32nd spot, we have the Misty Ant Stiller. With his amazing use of the bass keyboard, the secretive Mitsuyama lands himself up in the 31st spot. Dropping three positions down to the number 30 spot, it's the imaginative Hermski. Love him or hate him, the 29th spot is held by the excellent Citizen. The top of the pops would not be complete without the nutritious Gary Heather in the 28th spot. Up to the 27th spot this month is the alleged Brian Arsenault. Allegedly. The disturbed Henrik Lolofold drops to the 26th spot. With his sextet of flugelhorns, the hellish Dustin Newell rockets his way up into the 25th spot. Calmly edging his way into your heart, the therapeutic Matthew Ackerman in number 24. Working his way to spot number 23, it's the pointless Daniel James. Not to be outdone, eking his way just up to the number 22 spot is the jealous Josh Malone. Landing just shy of the number 20 spot, and number 21 is the penitent Eric Sandgren. And making his way to the number 20 spot, and also playing for us a little later on this evening, the concerned David Vincent. We'll have more of our top 20 right after this. Take it away, Pixel Guide N. Yay! Thank you, dear Patreon supporters. You make it easier to do uh, what we're going to do next. I was going to say we couldn't do it without you, but we could, but it helps. Exactly. Because we don't have to... uh, invest our uh, life savings into beer and what do you what do you call it hosting exactly <laughs> so we do appreciate it but i think we should spend some of their money right now eric yeah let's do it unabashedly we like to buy beer with our patreon dollars so i'm not looking in the bag because this is a secret beer right this is well yeah, is, it, I mean, is that the one you want to start yeah, with? yeah i'll start okay. with this one okay i haven't looked at it yet so um well, you can look at it now. Go ahead and tell the people what we're drinking. I got we got our our large based mugs from Ten Minute Amiga Retrocast. Yes, we do. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, sir. I saw this beer on the uh, store shelf <laughs> and laughed immediately and said, "I have to buy that." Yeah. So this is th- he, he pronounced it Trejos, right? Tre- uh, Trejo, yeah. Tre- Trejos Cerveza, Echo and USA, which is made in USA. <laughs> Nectar of the Mexican gods. Mexican craft lager, four point seven alcohol content. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's a beautiful dark can with a big picture of Danny Trejo's mug right yep. on the front. It certainly and you is. might know him from every like 
schlocky B action movie ever. Yeah. Uh, he is Machete. Machete, yeah. He is. Uh, just, I love Machete and Machete too. They came out with two of them. Yeah. Um, Danny Trejo is hilarious. I, I whenever I see him, I always think he's funny. I have to admit, I haven't watched any of the Machetes. Oh, I love it, dude. It's so over the top, like which I love. You know, when it's played serious, but it's clearly not supposed to be serious. Nope. But Danny Trejo, if you see this guy, yeah. he's got to have a great sense of humor. I've never seen him laugh or smile. He always plays this like super hard. Yeah. Like, but he, um. But he's got a good sense but of humor because I've seen him to. do he, the stuff he does is so over the top, and it's, he does it with a straight face, and he knows it's ridiculous. <laughs> yep. But I've seen him do things where like he's out of character, like very sensitive or this or that. So he's got a good like. Uh, you know, a good, he knows he knows what it, where his where his bread is buttered. I love it. I love it. So, cheers, my good friend. Cheers. It looks good. So, uh, you, looking at, looking at it, I mean, it is a Mexican lager. It's very clear, very carbonated, which is great for summertime. Um, I'm going to take a sip now. You already take a, took I a did. sip. So, nectar of the Mexican gods. We said this is the uh, Lincoln Beer Company in Stevens Points, Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin. That's pretty far That's, from Mexico. It's pretty far from Mexico, <laughs> and they're known for making like German style, like the original like light American beers, which yeah. were, you know were mm-hmm. German beer makers that came over to America and made them all in Wisconsin. You know yeah. your Pabst and your Schlitz and your yep, uh, all of those over there. Um, this is actually pretty flavorful. It is flavorful. It's actually, yeah. really good. Thank you, Danny Trejo. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at the ingredients here, there's a lot of interesting hops. Um, like you were just saying about the like German bill beers and stuff, there is the, uh, I think it's, I think that would be pronounced v- Weiermann Munich Type One Malt. Okay, uh, there's there you go. Brees Pils- Pilsen Malt. So uh, it looks like a bit more premium ingredients than something like a Dos Equis or something. Yeah, they're calling it a Mexican craft lager, but every <clears throat> it actually tastes tastes kind of German. <laughs> it kind of like Wiener Schnitzel. It's kind of <laughs> German. I like it, man. It's actually pretty darn good. It's it's flavorful, and I, I'm a big fan of Mexican lager. So this yeah. this is right up right up my alley. I love it for right. for summertime. It's perfect. So rating scale: Danny yeah. Trejo is machete. <laughs> yeah, he cuts off a lot of limbs. Okay, how many gallons of blood? <laughs> gallons of blood. The human body has how many how many gallons of blood? In I it? I don't know. Let's just make it up. Did you know, Eric? Did you know? Fun fact: Yeah, the human body has has three point seven gallons of blood in it. Okay, so we rating this out of three point seven. Three point seven gallons of blood. At a three point seven, I'm going to give this a hmm. three point three point two five. Ooh, oh, I'm going to. I was going to give it three point two, but you even went more more uh, meta than I did. <laughs> I went a little more. I like it. Well, there you go. There's our beer. So let's uh, sip on that and enjoy. Yes, it's a great summer beer. So I'm I'm digging it. And I'm digging the news. <laughs> All right. Eric, did you know that the Evercade came out with a new console? I, I, I When I heard this, I was... Aghast? Aghast. I was surprised, and I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know my feelings. <laughs> so I, I dug deep and searched my feelings, and, I rea- and I, my feelings are, I think it's pretty cool. So when I saw this, I instantly went, oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Um, it's weird to me, because most of our community, from what I could tell doesn't understand why yeah they they don't understand the evercade 
Uh, and I, I guess that's true. They, because everything I hear on the uh, Amigos Discord, or most people, most of the voices there, and I'm not going to say they're right or wrong, but they they don't understand. They're like, why would you want a system that it has collectible cartridges when you can just get a system like those, I uh, forget what they're called, but they you can just throw ROMs on there on an SD card. Well, anything, yeah, lots of things. You can just do, I mean, there's so many of those, so yeah. many, and, and, and high-quality ones, and I have those. I like those. They're fun, but the Evercade brings something else to the table. I mean, it brings licensed games that, on a cartridge, and they, they usually put multiple games anywhere from three to 20, you know, 20 games on there. They're fully licensed. It's a nice handheld. It works really well. I, I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. I bought one. I started buying cartridges. My mm-hmm. biggest issue, and the reason I don't play it much, is it is a handheld, and I just have a hard time mm-hmm. playing handhelds. It's green and small. It's well built. Yeah. But I do want to collect more cartridges, and yeah. this system gives me a way to do that. So it's called the Evercade versus Console. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, it's this white console with red lines, kind of like the Evercade handheld is. Mm-hmm. Um, there are four USB ports in the front for up to four-player couch co-op, Eric, which is awesome. Four-player couch co-op. I, it has this aesthetic that's almost like a neo-chic Famicom-looking yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, Do you know what I mean? It's it's a... Cyberpunk Famicom, Exactly. Eric. So it's got, like, red outlines, but it's got a nice gamepad with a D-pad and, and the buttons. It looks a lot like the Evercade controls on the mobile. I think it's gorgeous. Um, and I, it comes with two controllers. Yep. And I'm, I'm gonna get it. It's only hundred bucks, Eric. Do you remember when we were talking about how like that Worms collection was coming out, and I was like, my eyes, I, I'm, yeah, you know, it's I'm, too I, small. I'm so old, I, I can't, look, I can't see Worms on there. Oh, we're playing Worms on this, Eric. Now I'm gonna get Worms because we can put this on the TV and play it on a console, and it, that's a great Worms collection. Not to mention Cannon Fodder is coming out. There's that one new collection coming out that has a lot of the Sensible Soccer. Uh, cannon yep. fodder stuff like that. They have great games coming out. One of the issues is that they take they announce them and it still takes nine months until they physically get released. Yeah, but I've noticed like the Tecmo's one that was gone for so long mm-hmm. is not Tech. What is it? Um, oh, what brand is? It? Anyways, the carts are coming back out again. They were getting reprinted. Okay, that's good because I, I'm like you. I keep hearing about these great ones coming out. And there's a new indie collection coming out. Mm-hmm. There's this and that, but then you look at it and it's like not coming out till July, not coming out till September, not coming out till August, and it's just like I, this thing. To, to me, one of my complaints is that this thing's not going to have enough life to support these games well into the future. There needs to be more games coming out. Well, they were. I mean, they're announcing a ton. They're just not physically hitting the shelves for quite a while, right? Um, but yeah, no, I think this system's awesome. I think this will get me to start buying more games and, more importantly, playing more of these games. Yeah. We'll be able to play together, which we've been doing some two-player stuff lately, and hopefully do more of that. I love the way it looks. Yep, me too. Um, the fact that they actually got this package together with two controllers for 100 bucks is awesome. It's interesting that you load the games in by lifting the front cover like an NES, but there's two game slots. Yeah. So you can actually put in two packs at once. Kind of novel. Yeah, so I imagine there's a menu that pops up, and you can just pick t- t- whatever game you want that's in there. Um, yeah, the reason I really wanted to invest into this system also was, yeah, there's a bunch of like old games, which is not really my thing, mm-hmm. but they have packs of brand new games, and I want to give those um, those developers money. Yes. Um, like, my favorite game by far on here is that shooter. What's it called again? Xenocrisis. That's the game I was... <laughs> that's the game. Yeah. Um... So yeah, I, that, I 
I want to get more games like that. Xena Crisis and Tinglewood in that one. The Indie Collection. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Mad... Or was it Wild, Wildcat? Madcat Collections? The Madcat one, yeah. Yeah, where they had a whole bunch of uh, modern indie games that were released on physical cartridges. Mm-hmm. But I want to buy legitimate ROMs mm-hmm. and have physical media for that. And this right. is a way to do it. So yep. that's what I'm excited about. I think it's gorgeous. I want it. The fact it's 100 bucks Sold. Yeah. That comes with two controllers for... For 100 bucks. For 100 bucks, Two controllers, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in. I, it, it looks awesome. And frankly, I think, like like you're saying, I think I'd play this more than I would the handheld. Yep. Yep. That's the big thing for me. Cool, cool. Right on. Next Tim, Tim, what do you have to sell us? Tim. This is Tim. Okay. okay. I, I can't do the accent, so you I won't You say do that it. every time. Yeah. I won't do it. Um... Evercade New Collections in Television Collection 1. I did see that. Um, looks interesting. Oh, who, who would have thought? What On topic. Evercade. Correct. Speaking of Evercade, there's our segue. Yeah. And the Bitmap Brothers Collection 1. That's right. Their Bitmap Brothers Collection is coming, and that has uh, some... Yeah, I know the pre-order is open for that one, uh, but I don't remember the game lineup on there. Well, let me just tell you, Eric, as I open it up right here. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> The Intellivision uh, one. There's the is, Bitmap Brothers, yeah. Yeah, here it is. There you go, Mega Cat. We were saying Mad Cat, Mega Cat Studios. Mega Cat, that's right. Uh, here's the Intellivision, which is a whole bunch of Intellivision games. You can guess what most of those are, but yeah, let's check out the uh, the Bitnap, Bitmap yeah. Brothers. I know one of them is. I think there's Xenon, and I know there's uh, the Speedballs. Chaos right? Engine, <laughs> Speedball, Speedball Two Brutal Deluxe, mm-hmm. Speedball Twenty One Hundred, which is interesting because that looks like a PlayStation game or something to that effect. Yep. And Xenon 2 Mega Blast. Now, what's interesting, if I'm looking at the Chaos Engine here, mm-hmm. is that... That's the um, Genesis one, which was called Genesis Soldier of Fortune. That was called Soldier of Fortune. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that is the Genesis that version. It does not look like the Genesis version to me, though. Hmm. I thought I read somewhere that that's what they, what they took. Okay. But I, I might be wrong. Uh, that's a great collection. And then I saw there's another one up on the menu there that was... Um, that doesn't look like Genesis to you? I don't know. There's another uh, a game collection up here? There was another game collection, the Codemasters one. That one's going to have Cannon Fodder, Sensible Soccer. Um, B-52, Eric. I've never heard of that one. So what, most of these games here. So B-52, Big Nose Freaks Out, <laughs> yeah. Big Nose the Caveman, Boomerang Kid, CJ's Elephant Antics. Uh, those are all the games they had uh, for the NES Oh, okay. And I believe this came on like those weird unofficial carts. I oh. had like four games in one and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Cannon fodder. Megalomania is on here. Psycho Pinball. That looks like an Amiga game right there. That's it, probably Genesis, though. It does look like it. Super Skid Marks. Yeah. Megalomania. That's supposed to be. That was a pretty big mm-hmm. deal on the Amiga. Yep. Yeah. That looks like a good good collection as well. That's actually uh, Cosmic Spacehead. Looks cool. That's a yeah. game that probably looks cool, but it's probably terrible. <laughs> <laughs> judging a book by its judging a game by its cover, Eric. It, these come fully covered. So there's a big Intellivision one too. There. Yeah, I, I mean, we know much most of those games, but uh, yeah, I mean, there might be a surprise or two on here. Uh, Frogbog, Night Stalker, Astro Smash. We assumed that much. Shark Shark. Uh, I don't see anything on here terribly. No. Unexpected. Yeah. See what? Would oh, be- it's only twelve games. That's what it looks like. What would be really cool? Mm. Is, what would be really cool is if they threw like some of the indie scene 
yeah. mo- modern games for the Intellivision because you know there's a good homebrew on there. They should throw See, that it, would be tossing a couple of those on there. That would make me buy it. Yeah, me that too. would make it buy it. Yep, very cool though. Uh, next up on our list, I wanted to talk about some new SNES SA1 goodness. Are you familiar with the SA1 chip, Eric, and what's been going on with that? I I, I honestly don't. What, what's the story on that? So. The SA1 chip uh, was a chip that came in a lot of, not a lot of, a a few (laughs) Super Nintendo games. It allowed um, basically some processing to be done on a chip on the cart rather than everything done with the uh, Super Nintendo. Okay. So basically it allowed things to be played faster and smoother. Nice. So uh, somebody, I can't remember the name here, but let's see if it pops up on the actual uh, uh, link here, which I did just click on. Um they went ahead and have been going through various games on the SNES library. Some of them are very popular games that have slowdown. Now, the first one I remember was Gradius 3, which is a great game, but oh my goodness. I remember. It chugs. It does. It chugs. And so his um, SA1 adapted ROM plays it perfectly smooth on an Evercart, or I guess there's a way you could actually buy a game that has an SA1 chip and put the ROM in there and use it that way. Okay. But people, so people are like hacking up carts to do that. <laughs> right. um, but he's done it to a couple of new games, uh, including a really good shmup on the SNES, Axelay. Yeah. Um, and then another one that was just completed, if I can back out here, was uh, Race Driving. Now, this one's interesting because this game, I don't believe, was a very popular game. It wasn't well known. Uh, Race Driving wasn't. Here it is Race Driving. Okay. But here's the cool thing I'm showing. Now, Eric and I are looking at video here. The original probably wasn't very popular because it ran at four frames a second, Eric. That's pretty choppy. So here's a side-by-side of the two running. And uh, let's see if we can get a feel for how much better the new one feels than the old one. Oh, man. It has a little feel of, like, stunt car racer a little bit. Yeah, look how slow the original is. Like, I can't imagine ever playing that. Yeah. Now, the one thing I do notice about it is it also plays like super fast, which I don't know if, it's, if it would be too hard to play at that speed. Like, cool, he made it smooth, but... It does look very smooth. It'd be nice if there was a way to slow it down a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. I'll try to play it. I want to try these games. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's kind of like a stunt, stunt racer type game. Will this be integrated into... Um, into, like, uh, emulators and stuff? Or, well, mean, yeah, it's just the ROM. So, so the ROM actually has the SA1. Well, I take it back. As long as the SA1 chip is emulated in the emulator, yes. Okay. So you could The Evercade really... does have it. The, not the Evercade, the, uh, oh, the Everdrive. Sorry, the Everdrives. The Everdrive does Ever, have it. Everdrives absolutely have it, yeah. All right. Well, then we're set. Mm-hmm. Although I have an old Everdrive. I hope it supports that. I think it does. Cool. I think it's got, it's got to be one of the first chips they emulated. So this next one is a game that I, I did download. I haven't spent a lot of time playing it, but I'm loving it. Really? I haven't even heard of this yet. And I I, I literally thought... Ooh, it looks of, great. I thought of you when I when I downloaded this game. I think you will really like this game. It combines it, it combines some multiple... Remember when we did multiple platforms? Mm-hmm. It does provide that, but it is... When you start, you're, it is a, a platformer, and you're basically a guy... There, you can pick from three different guys that you play. Well, let me go ahead and name the game real quick, so people haven't yeah, heard yeah, it yeah. yet. Yeah, we'll get, busted. <laughs> we'll get busted by listeners for that. Savage Halloween. It's called Savage Halloween. It's inexpensive on the Nintendo Store. I, um, I think I paid... 
less than ten dollars for it. That's, okay, um, might have been even cheaper. There it is, four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. Wow. Yeah, I'll do that. So five bucks. Oh, here we go. There we got some video going now. Yep. It is a. It starts out as a platformer, but then it also has modes where there's shmups, like uh, vertical shmups. Um, there are multiple fire modes and power ups. Uh, you have a life bar, but the graphic styling is very SNES. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, yeah, I know you're right. It's almost NES to me. It's kind of um, yep. It's kind of a little bit in between. between. Yep. Uh, oh, it looks amazing, and it's a running gun right now. It's a running gun, and then there's like battle these... to the speeder bike station or levels. Yep. And then I was hoping that you will, because I haven't even reached these. Oh but look at these gosh, big this bosses! Looks great. And it's a two-player game. Oh, Eric, we're doing this. Yep, it's a two-player game. They didn't even show the shmup levels, which are some of the better ones that I've gotten to so I far. Saw a little bit of one. So, um, yeah, that is for five bucks. Savage Halloween, you should get it because I don't know if that's a sale price or not. But um, no, it's not. Okay, good. Oh, I'm, that's all, I can add it to my wish list. Fun game, and that's one. That's this is one I want to play on our next two player extravaganza. Absolutely, good call on that one. Yeah. Uh, this is a fun little thing. Uh, long story short. Uh, oh, we should go back. That last one's on the Switch, PS4, and Xbox. Oh, okay. It just came out on the Switch, but it's been on PS4 and Xbox for a little while. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, yeah. gotcha. Okay. So anyways, uh, this is just a fun little fact here. Uh, mm-hmm. Nintendo is involved in yet another lawsuit. Of uh, course they are. But the best part about this particular one is uh, this guy apparently created and sold Nintendo hacking devices since uh, as far back as 2013 with the 3DS, um, and he keep, this guy keeps getting in trouble with Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So, what's the owner of Nintendo called? What's his last name? Do you remember? His la- the president is Bowser, right? Yeah. This guy's name is also Bowser. Oh, man. So, right now, there's a Nintendo lawsuit going on between Bowser versus Bowser. Bowser versus Bowser. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. How, just... <laughs> how, how random is that? Like, I've met, How many Bowsers have you met in your life, Eric? Zero. Okay. Same. <laughs> uh, this is cool. Uh, have you heard of a new company called Audacity Games yet, Eric? I have. I heard about them, but I don't know much about them. Um, so Audacity Games, as uh, some older old school gamers may know. That's right. I did hear about this. Yes. Is a, yes. Is a conglomeration between some old Atari 2600 uh, coders. Uh, the one of most note was David Crane. who Everyone's heard of David Crane of Pitball fame. Yep. Um, he's done a bunch of other Activision games. He was an Atari programmer that moved to Activision, right? Or they, they left to start Activision. Yeah, yes, exactly. When they started, yep. yep. Uh, Keystone Capers, Pressure Cooker, that was Gary Kitchen's work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dan Kitchen rounds out the trio with uh, games such as Crackpots and Kung Fu Master. Yep. Uh, he also worked with David Crane on Ghostbusters. Uh, nonetheless, they started their own company making, guess what? Atari 2600 games. Yeah, and I heard it's going to be the full deal. Not just ROMs, but like the cartridge boxes, everything. Absolutely. In fact, I'm on their website right now here, and their first game they released is called Circus Convoy. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at this, and I have to consider that this is an Atari 2600 game. Yeah. Um, but there's the cover art. looks just like an Activision game. Yep. Um, and if you look at the game here, the gameplay... It's kind of like a pitfall-esque thing, but you're jumping between these different, um, uh, car, uh, what do you call it? Trains. Train cars. Like trains cars, yeah. But what is so cool about it is I actually saw, first of all, there's cameos from other Atari games in here, but it is like a full-fledged game. I watched a few minutes of gameplay, 
and I saw him like open up his inventory screen and there was like he got like one of 30 of one item and like two of 80 of another item like this is a full game like collectible like, doing by collectibles modern standards yeah. um <laughs> looks so good yeah yeah and I heard you know I did hear that it's going to be a little pricey I mean well, it depends what, what you, what you mean. Yeah, yeah because I just spent 80 bucks on soul for getting soul force here from that's true Commodore 64 yep um I tried to click on the store here. I think they had some for sale now. Uh, did they not? Do, 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 do. Uh, yeah. I swear they had a price here. I thought it was... Um, uh, there was different versions. I thought the base model was like 50 bucks. Okay. But then there was other versions with, you know, feelies and all kinds of coins and things like that. They went up to, you know, as high, you know feeding the collector market as high as like 150 bucks. Right. Um, I think it's really cool. I mean, I, I, the complaints I heard about wasn't... I mean, it, those complaints weren't for me. I heard some people on podcasts saying that they thought the prices were a little bit too steep. Um, but I'd like to see it succeed because I want to see what other games they're going to make. Yeah, and they have some other ones in the works here, which I was trying to pull up. But um, for whatever reason, this website isn't... This website has nothing to do with it. I don't know. It doesn't. It, it, this one isn't the official website. Oh, apparently not. Okay, we'll have to find the official website again. Yeah. So, you, it's cool, though. Speaking of new games. <laughs> so, the, I don't know if you saw this. I know we don't... I mean, I guess we do talk a bit about games that uh, are upcoming or coming out soon. Uh, but this one struck me because it is a metroidvania for the commodore 64 that's that's Ooh, coming out yes and uh it looks like uh it's in its early stages right now but the screenshots i'm seeing look pretty cool i mean it looks like a, a platformer style game where the people look to me almost like little bomber man guys but it is supposed to be a full-on metrovania so you called lester yep it's called lester and you're 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 supposed to go around you find things you have to backtrack to grab things there's an inventory screen i Um, saw somebody playing gameplay of it recently and it looked a lot further on than i think it's i I mean it looks to me like it's 80 percent at least okay um I would love it. I mean, yeah, this is from April 17th, and it said that it's still pretty very early alpha footage, but... Here's some game footage of the actual gameplay here. Oh, this is interesting. This is a a different game altogether. This is a different game called Leap, but that one looks pretty good, too. (laughs) That does look good. All right. Anyways. Yeah. Cool. So, anyway, something to look forward to for the Commodore 64, hopefully coming out, I would think, maybe this year. There, this Coming t- to a Commodore near you soon. Yeah, the top one was Lester there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Leaps on the bottom. So, two games, maybe. Yeah. They both look good. They both look very similar color palette. Yeah, just similar color palette, and it's kind of stylized the same, kind of yeah. similar fonts and stuff like that. Anyway, something to look forward to called Lester. Um, so, this one I don't even need to click on, but since our last podcast eric yeah uh playstation announced that the ps3 and playstation vita stores are closing down that's what i heard and everybody got furious yeah and for the last three weeks i've been hearing people on podcasts complaining and talking about among and i me among them yeah people got blowing gaskets because the store shut fronts are shutting down and i don't blame them and all kinds of issues well guess what when i went to get find a link for that Mm -hmm. so we could talk about it on the show the new link i found says uh, Sony went ahead and apologized. They heard the uproar and said, you know what? We won't shut them down. Sorry. Our bad. Yeah. 
So they're they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere for now. They will eventually. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of non-news for you. Basically, that was an article that canceled itself. I mean, it does. It is encouraging that companies uh, do listen to their customer base once in a while. I mean, so many times we hear about things just happening, and they just they just do it. And especially games that are online that have to be online only, like the way modern games are going. Yeah, and they close down the servers, and you can't play these games anymore that you bought. Even if you bought the physical, I mean, there's a whole trend now where you buy a physical game on disc mm-hmm. or whatever. You play it, and you pop it in, you play it, and then one day you pop it in, and it doesn't work anymore because it has to phone home. Yeah. And I think that sucks. I mean, one thing they should do, they should really consider, because since these games are going to be completely useless, is they should just kind of open source the back-end server, the licensing server, so they don't have to publish patches or anything anymore. I'm not asking for that. But make it so that the last update kind of opens it up so that someone can run a server to authenticate people and keep the game going forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, why not do that? The game's not going anywhere anymore. Yeah. Anyway, that's what really grinds my gears. It does grind my gears. I don't know why they shut down the Ouya server. <laughs> right. Uh, Let's see someone else stepped in and changed that. And that's probably what will happen here if that, I if hope that so. becomes the case. Yeah. This one is uh, from our boy Tim. Mm-hmm. Who wanted to point out? Actually, we talked about this last time, but uh, Turbo Sprint, the Amiga AGA version of the arcade game, yep, is out now. Yep, and our boy um, Tenmark, Doug, he dug in, from, dug dug into it. Yep, from Dynamic Computing, he reviewed this game with his son, and they both played online. And they uh, did you watch that video? I didn't watch all of it, but I did see I did see that they were playing it. Yep, he did a very thorough dive into this game and it it does look awesome to me i know you know my my skill with those kind of games it's pro- looks kind of like it might be tough okay to stay on the track and to you know complete races well, turbo sprint wasn't easy to begin with correct and so it looks interesting to me but um it looks very high quality aga only um and that was mainly and doug had explained it it's aga only but not so much for the gameplay part, but they de- they used a higher res screen so they could f- the cars could be smaller and you could see more of the track. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So that's really the only reason they did AGA. Uh, but one thing I really like is that if you buy this game, you can get the ADF, so the little floppy images. Yeah. But you can also get the CD32 ISO images, so I could play it on my CD32. That's cool. So that would be pretty cool, because we could plug our controllers in and have a little multiplayer be fun. turbo sprint session. That would absolutely be and fun. And I'm doing that. I am going to get it, just because I think it... I kind of want to reward the guy who made it because he also did Bomb Jack, the beer edition. I played oh, that, that once. Okay, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, I love playing those games. You know, for high score. Mm-hmm. I heard something else can now save high scores. Yeah, yes, and I I did blow it because I meant to look up the terminology here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this up. But there, I'm gonna do that every time I make a good segue. <laughs> yeah, excellent. <laughs> and by good, I just mean not terrible. <laughs> So the Atari, so the Mister, which you know I'm a fan of, the FPGA little microcomputer that yep. emulates so many systems. They just released an Atari 7800 core, which, as you know, I'm big into the Atari 7800 lately. I'm collecting the cartridges and playing that, and still enjoying it quite a bit. But they came out with a new core, and it it is, from what I read, 100% compatible. Every game works, and that's not too hard because there's not that many games. <laughs> All for the, 30 of them work. Exactly. For the Atari 7800, 
But one thing I, th- I found really cool while I was messing with this, and this is where I'm going to drop the terminology, there's some kind of cartridge technology that you can turn on in the Mr. Menu that will take every game, ROM, that you have and add the ability to save high scores to the That's ROM. That's awesome. So that every time you boot the that cartridge... It, it will show you the high scores. And you like don't you have to keep a pile of post-it notes in with your 7800. And that's what I'm doing right now because I do. I love <laughs> keeping track of... The one thing yeah. I've, I've gotten the most enjoyment out of the Atari 7800 is just trying to best my score like in uh, Food Fight and uh, Centipede and all, all the games that are on there. I just will play it and then I record my scores and see try to beat my own high scores. This allows me to save them in the core. So... That is really neat, although I'm still going to keep playing original hardware because I'm really digging my Atari 7800, but yeah. it is a neat feature, which I haven't seen on any other... Um, I haven't seen that on any other core. It just automatically bolts it onto the ROM, so you don't have, there's nothing to do other than turning it on in the menu. That's way cool. Yeah. So speaking of uh, awesome systems... <laughs> what do you got for us, Cody? Well, I want to talk a little uh, MSX. Yeah. The- Infamous, well, actually not infamous, the famous, the awesome Japanese microcomputer of the mm-hmm. 80s. Um, they do this every year, but the MSX Dev 2021 competition has started, mm-hmm. which means people uh, are making games to enter into the contest, which means we get to play a bunch of new free games. Yeah. Selfishly. Um, so I'm, I went ahead and che- I started checking out some of these. I'm going to go ahead and load all of them onto my, uh, my Mega Flash ROM cart. Um, and play them, but you can see some of the games here that people have already entered. This goes until August, at which point no more entries are allowed and mm-hmm. judging will start. Yeah. So I propose that the three amigos, Eric, Tim, and myself, do a special episode where we cover the MSX Dev 2021 competition. That would be a blast. I, I mean, do you know if our, uh, our uh, man on the scene, Juan Martinez, is going to enter something i i have not heard anything about him but now he's you know he's big time now he's publishing stuff he is and and he jumps system to system like he likes to jump around so it wouldn't surprise me if he's not on his msx cycle right now but we call him house of pain (laughs) because he likes to jump around jump Jump, around jump 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 around around. uh so anyways yeah Mm. that'll be cool i'm gonna keep an eye on that and hopefully we'll have an episode like for that coming up soonish yep i'll take this one from tim what else is happening soon (laughs) I'm gonna give myself nice. Kind of, kind of worked. So with terrible. Tim, um, he is talking about the Div MMC Future update that there is a new firmware 0.8.9 of ESX DOS, uh, but also good news that long file names are now fixed. Okay, by using Bob Fossil's uh, browse update for the file browser. All the details are on the website here. That'll be a link in our show notes, but it's uh, the fossilrecord.co.uk. That's awesome because I will say yep. that one of the downsides is that they have to be eight characters or less, the, the file names. A lot of uh, SD devices kind of have that limitation, but I see a video, a picture of it right now, and you can see spell all the way out Turbo the Tortoise 128.tap file. So, yeah. And I, I did do a couple of firmware updates on my Div MMC, and they're not that bad. Some, you know, some of them are very uh, you're sweating bullets, thinking you're going to break your device. But the ones I've done so far on the Div MMC are pretty straightforward. Good. Well, that is awesome. Speaking of straightforward, okay, <laughs> give it to me. Give it up to me. Uh, tell me about this new uh, pinball machine. 
Well, this very straight pinball machine, <laughs> it's not rounded at all, it's very straight, um, was just announced by Sturm Pinball, and they cannot get enough of the Star Wars license. Yeah. The new pinball machine they are coming out with, they have already have uh, pricing and everything up for the mere price of $6,000 minus one. Uh, you can own the Mandalorian pinball machine, and it, as always, is super cool and gorgeous and looks super fun, and I want to play it. It looks really good. I, I heard about it this on uh, Twitter from uh, our friend Oz Retrogamer uh, from Australia, and he was talking about this one a bit and said it looked like it was going to be pretty amazing. It looks great, and and for those who've watched The Mandalorian or mm-hmm. heard about it, you know it's very it's Star Wars, but it's done very much like a spaghetti western. Yeah, and so they definitely this you look not this one down here, but the the main version of it here is done very much in a. Uh, Almost a Western style looking, very lots of oranges, um, you know, dirt and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got, of course, you got baby Baby Yoda in the corner. Yeah, can't can't have a Mandalorian pinball machine <laughs> without Baby Yoda. Yeah, um, there's a ship which I always like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the it looks like a mask that lays on its, on its butt. <laughs> uh, anyways, cool, super cool. Love pinball. Um, I would even say that. Pinball is uh, good enough to be put on a shirt. <laughs> oh, jeez. You're going to give yourself that? Oh, man. I'm not giving myself that one. Okay. So Tim says that there are Paradroid and Uridium t-shirts available from 7 Squared, and there will be links in the show notes. Um, I found this interesting because I don't have a Uridium shirt, but I do have a Paradroid shirt. I just haven't worn it in a long time. I have a shirt with the 001. Um, 1001001011001. The zero zero one robot on it, like the little round robot. I, that would be I've, cool. I've had that one for like I don't know seven or eight years. Yeah, that one's cool. This one, I'm not so sure. I'm digging it. Yeah, I, the Paradroid part logo looks ish like the logo, but mm-hmm. I don't know what this robot is. Yeah, th- that that's not from that's not from my Paradroid that I know. <laughs> that's not my Paradroid, but they do have worms and California games and the Bitmap Brothers. And Bitmap. Way of the Exploding Fist. Those all look great. Those all look really good. The California games one looks very throwback. Yeah, that looks like a diet soda. And then here's <laughs> Uridium. That one's legit. Yeah. That looks pretty cool. That does look really good. Um and I would p- I would wear that. Unfortunately I don't I'm not a not that and I don't dislike Uridium, but I don't love it. So, but it's such a cool shirt. I might just—it's an iconic game for sure. Yeah. Well, not. Well, I guess maybe maybe in the United States as well. Yeah. So cool. I I, uh, I like I like that Bitmap Brothers one too. That one looks really good. Yeah. Know what another great game company is? Just like the Bitmap Brothers. Who? Capcom. Oh, I do love Capcom. They came out with all kinds of great games. Kind of like uh, actually, okay, that was uh, that turns a, a bad one. <laughs> because I saw the world, uh, I saw the world, the word ghoul, and I thought ghouls and ghosts, but this has nothing to do with ghouls and it ghosts. It does not. Uh, anyways, zombies ate my neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, well, maybe we'll find out who actually makes zombies ate my neighbors. I can't remember. Uh, Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm, yeah. Of course yeah. they did. Um, now, here's what's interesting. So, this is being released along with uh, the sequel to Zombies Ate My Neighbors called Ghoul Patrol mm-hmm. on the Switch on June 29th. Yeah. I know you love Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Probably my my top three SNES games. Yeah. And I, I really enjoy it, and uh, there's a lot to it. Because every time I play it, I get like 13 levels in, and I'm like, man, I must be getting close to the end. And I look it up, it's like 60 levels long. Yeah, it's a huge game. I've never it's, beaten it, yeah. but I love playing it. I think I might just need to save state that puppy. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, so this might be a good way. Here's the thing I'm embarrassed to admit. I've never heard of Ghoul Patrol. I never knew there was a, a success, successor? Successor? Successor. To Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Is Have you played that? Is I it have. any good? It's very good. Yeah, I've played it before. Um, I think we've even discussed it on, on a very, very early show. Oh, I've never even heard of it. Yeah. So I must have been like, I must have had a small little nap while you talked about it. <laughs> That's possible. Uh, but yeah, no, for $15 this is a nice little pack that's it, not bad if you genuinely can do save states i uh i'm definitely in because i was thinking about this and i was like well i already have the games and i enjoy playing them on on their appropriate systems or on the mister but you know the mister doesn't have save states either but if i had save states on that game and could could actually make a real push into the higher levels because like you said i don't get that far it's like i get like maybe to i don't know 10 or 12th level yeah and, yeah that's it. Although that giant baby is the hardest. <laughs> it Dealing is with the that giant baby. Yep. Now what else? Another great 16-bit game we need to talk about, Eric. Is uh, that's a good one. <laughs> what? And this is from Tim. McDonald Land Mega Drive Genesis Easter Egg Found. And so we he, we covered that game on the previous episode. The we did McDonald Land Mega Drive game. And uh, don't let the 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 names fool you that it's a very good game it's by treasure yeah it's by treasure who is very good at the shmups very very good game uh but this is not a shmup the mcdonald was a platformer but very very well done it was a nice pleasant surprise when we covered that on the show it was, absolutely it was a great game but tim says when the password is entered the title screen transforms into different polygonal shapes the morphing is accompanied by super creepy sound effects. <laughs> the sound and tone definitely does not match the bright and cheery atmosphere of the game. That's weird. I'd like to see that, like, uh, like that. Uh, well, that, I'll, that take, I'll, I'll take a watch here if we can take a little break. Yeah. Um, so there is a link. There'll be a link in the show notes to go to it and figure out what password to enter to get that little tread, the little Easter egg to show up. Well, I think we should watch it right now, Eric. All right, Eric. So we just we, watched it. We watched it, and I'm a changed person. Yeah, it, much, much longer than I expected. It was like a three-minute uh, ordeal there. Yep, it seemed like the good old demos from the old days, like on the Commodore 64 Amiga, like the demos, but it just went on and on. But, like, yeah, very weird, creepy music. <laughs> uh, shapes swirling around and, like, uh, rotating in space. And all of a sudden, the sign became <clears throat> origami things, like the Sega logo and, like, a plane. Yeah, very Anyways. strange. That was really, really strange. Really interesting. The music was cool. Then, it's funny that they find these things so many years later. Right? This thing's been buried for decades. <laughs> I love it. Uh, one last news item for us this month, Eric. Okay. Um, and this is a cool one to me. Mm-hmm. But the uh, amazing company from the DOS <coughs> era of my youth, Apogee, mm-hmm. is uh, Apogee once again. Yeah, isn't it funny that all these companies are coming back? Like David Crane, and we just talked about the the Activision coming back yep. called Audacity, and now it's Apogee. So Apogee, um, which I remember Apogee from a number of games. I remember playing the original side-scrolling Duke Nukem game. Mm-hmm. Um, Commander Keen, of course, was in here. Wolfenstein 3D was an Apogee game. Yep, that was a big um, deal. And, of course, they became 3D Realms once the 3D world, you know, thing happened, and they made all kinds of my favorite games again, like uh, um, Shadow Warrior and Duke Nukem 3D and uh, Rise of the Triad. Yeah. Um, really cool. And so to c- 
kind of showcase their their new uh, reformation of the company. Um, they're they have a throwback pack apparently. <laughs> um, I don't know what that means exactly here. I'm trying to read it kind of as we go, um, but they have a video on here as well that shows a lot of the new upcoming games. I'm trying to pull it up for you, uh, Eric, here. Yeah. And for some reason, I just keep finding the creepy McDonald's music. That's all I keep finding. <laughs> um, here we go. Video link. Do, 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 do. Turn this down. So if you remember this Apogee logo coming in. I do. Oh, man. That brings back memories right there. Yep. Um, this guy right here is the voice of Duke Nukem. Uh, let's see when they start showing some stuff here. There we go. So some new stuff, some old Ooh, stuff. Some, that looks really good. Very like a zombie. It's kind of a zombie killing game. Uh, here's some, one of the newer games. I guess they're coming out with here. Yep, these are uh, retro inspired for sure. Sprites. I mean, so some of these look like very eight bit inspired, sixteen bit inspired games, and some look very very modern. Three D zombie killing thir- uh, first person games. Interesting. Little, little everything. So I'm stoked to see what Apogee comes out with. I am all about that. Very cool. And Eric, that is the news. Wow. Which means... Wrapping it up. We need to, to move on. Um, I think we need to listen to what uh, what Eric has to say in his take. A day in the life of young Eric. It is April 18th, 1986. I wake up and immediately realize I don't want to go to school. I take a shower, I get dressed, and walk into the kitchen to make a bowl of cereal. My mother is in the living room watching television. When I'm done with breakfast, I head over to the phone. I slightly unplug the cord from the base so that it still looks like it's plugged in, but calls won't be able to come through. When my school calls later to discuss my absence, they will simply get ringing over and over. When I get home that evening, I will plug it back in. When I go to school on Monday, I will simply forge a note saying that I was sick in my mother's handwriting. I've done this numerous times. I go out, grab my bike, and ride six miles to my friend Jay's house. I know that he's not awake yet because I can see the pile of newspapers on his porch. He hasn't delivered them yet, and it's already 8.30. I open the door. It's always unlocked. And I go into his bedroom where he's sleeping. I wake him up, and he grumbles, gets dressed, and starts loading up the papers to deliver. He never rides a bike to deliver these. He always rides a skateboard. I'll help him with this task by taking a few papers to houses that are far away, and this will help him get finished earlier so that we can start gaming. Eventually, he finishes this, and we come back and go to his Commodore 64 where he is running a BBS. He turns off the BBS and we begin playing Ultima 4. 
I noticed that there are another set of discs next to the Commodore 64, and these belong to his friend Jim. Jim will sneak into his house when he is not home to play Ultima 4. Jim never steals anything or takes anything. He simply breaks into his house, plays Ultima 4, and then goes back home. I always find this an odd arrangement, but it's something that Jay has never complained about, so I had just assumed it was okay with him. We play Ultima for about two more hours, and then we jump on our bikes and head to the local 7-Eleven, where we buy frozen burritos and big gulps. There are microwaves at the 7-Eleven that we can pop these frozen burritos in. We cook them, eat them out in the parking lot. And then we head back to Ray's house to play more video games. We take the upload disc that he has for his BBS and we look through it for any new games that were uploaded to the BBS the night before. And we play a few of them. Most of these games are difficult to understand how to play as they don't have manuals. So we quickly get tired of them. We jump back on our bikes and we head to the 7-Eleven again where we play the arcade games that they have in the front of their store. One of them being Galaga and the other one being Miss Pac-Man. And we play these for another hour or two. It's getting to be about 2 p.m. so I need to think about getting back home. So we go back to Jay's house. And I grab my bike and ride the six miles back to my house, arriving about the same time as I should have had I left school. I plug the phone back in and go to my room, boot up my Commodore 64, and play more games. I wait until about four o'clock and walk to the bus stop where I take bus 19 to a person's house that I met online a couple of weeks before. His handle was Garfield, and he wanted to trade games. So, with a box full of floppy disks in my hand, I take the bus to his house, knock on his door, go inside, and we spend about three hours looking through disks, and copying them. Meanwhile, we play his Atari 2600 while the floppy disks are copying. And we play several games like Combat and River Raid. And eventually, we decide to leave his house and go to a Circle K that is nearby. When we get to the Circle K, there is a telephone out front, a uh, payphone, and I pull out a sheet of paper with a bunch of MCI codes that I had hacked out the night before. We use these MCI codes to call long distance to payphones around the world and just kind of try to find people to talk to. It's always kind of a fun time calling payphones and seeing who will answer them in random public places around the world. And sometimes you find interesting conversations and sometimes you don't. 
Garfield wants to learn how to do this. So when we go back to his house, I show him a program that Jay and I had wrote that would run overnight and hack out MCI codes. I told him that you would usually get about 10 or 15 a night and you would use these codes till they stopped working. And you would use these at payphones. You didn't want to use these at home. Once I showed him how to do this, I packed up my stuff, grabbed my box of discs, and took bus 19 back to my house. At this time, it was already about 8.30 p.m. When I got home, I booted up my Commodore 64 and loaded up Leaderboard Golf and played a round of golf. I played several other Commodore 64 games until I drifted off to sleep around 1 a.m. Thanks for listening to A Day in the Life of Eric. I hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you next month. Thanks. Hey guys, how about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right, it's Tea Time with Tim. Have you ever wondered what it takes if two people ship Amigas across the Atlantic Ocean to each other? Well, if you have, this episode of Tea Time with Tim on the Pixel Guiden podcast is going to be just for you. Coming up next is what happened when myself and amazing show patron Josh Malone, aka 48K Ram, sent each other some wonderful Amigas across the Atlantic. You will hear the audio from our recording here on the podcast, but also available is a video of myself and Josh unboxing our Amigas. Apologies, as this is quite a visual thing, so this month you can head over to YouTube and search for the Pixel Guiden channel. While you're there, don't forget to smash that subscribe button and hit the like button while you're watching the video. It would be much appreciated. As an extra treat with the audio version, I have included some cool Amiga tunes in the background. Thanks goes out to the likes of Aceman and DJ Hoffman for their amazing tunes that I've used in, make, in the making of this month's amazing Amiga unboxing episode of Tea Time with Tim. Just before we hit into the good stuff, a quick reminder that if you enjoy the podcast, we would really appreciate your support on Patreon. You can support us from as little as a dollar a month by going to patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Now it's over to myself and Josh for the unboxings and some amazing Amiga tunes. Enjoy! Hi Josh, how you doing? Hey Tim, what's going on? I'm alright. Just uh, for everyone, this is Josh Malone at 48kram on the Twitters and also a wonderful, wonderful show patron. Let's let's reveal to everyone what we've been doing then. So um, let's let's just take a quick run through of what happened. So we were I joined in a discussion on the Pixel Guide and uh, Discord uh, server, which you can get onto if you're a Pixel Guide and podcast uh, patron. So yeah, so Josh is a patron, and we were talking on uh, he was talking on the on the uh, Pixel Guide and Discord server about um, a certain machine that you had um, that you uh, you were looking to um, move along, weren't you? Yes, I ultimately decided that this was not a machine that belonged in my collection. It belonged in a much more serious Amiga Lovers collection. Yep. <laughs> Luckily, I know a guy. <laughs> mm, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> so yeah, so we we um, we we converse 
on um, uh, Discord on uh, DMs and bits and pieces like that as well so Josh is a, a, a really really good guy um, and uh, we've had several conversations before and I just sort of like saw in the discord uh, that you were looking to move this particular Amiga along um, so I just sort of threw it out there just just to see what what you were looking and wanting to do with it uh, so we uh, basically had a conversation through and uh, we decided that we were going to do a uh, a machine swap <laughs> across, right. across the Atlantic. You came to my rescue, David. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, I, what, I, what I was hoping to do was just like wave a magic wand over this machine <laughs> and, and turn it from an Amiga 3000 into an Amiga 1200. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and damn if you didn't come through for me, Tim. Um, so we have the boxes right here now um, right next to me is a, a big load of stuff which we'll show in a minute and Josh kind of just behind him there has got another box so as you're the guest Josh do you want to go first and open your box up first sure I'll I'll go for it let me let me do some some quick uh, switcheroos okay. here and then we'll be back online so Josh has prepared um, another camera so we can see an overhead shot of uh, the box as he opens it up. So this one was sent by, uh, by myself um, and we've got it all packed up and ready to go. There it is. I've got a, a big metric load of Futures 8-bit tape so I tend to wrap everything in Futures 8-bit tape still these days when I send it over. Um, and this is quite a common thing when I'm um, sending stuff over to Cody and Eric as well. They get boxes wrapped in Futures 8-bit tape. <laughs> so they're not it's ever sure, really. Wh who, who's it, who has it come from? Has it come from Tim or has it come from Futures 8-bit? They're never sure. <laughs> so well, I, get Josh so much, is a, I get so much from the both of you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, so let's, let's go uh, for it, Josh. What have you got there? Yeah, I think we can... Dispatch with the commercial invoice. Yep, so we've got um, uh, getting all the uh, paperwork off and getting into the box now. Lots of wrapping noises and tape coming off. <laughs> it's been, it took me ages to pack this. I think it took me a good sort of like three quarters of an hour to an hour just to wrap, wrap the, all the stuff up in the box and get it all packed up. Well, wait till you wait till you get to yours. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just getting the uh, the wrapping up now. So getting all the tape off. All right. So, okay, there we go. That's the so outer box dispatched with. Yep. So now we've got the uh, the protection, all the all the gubbins on top. Oh, get rid of all of that. There we go. So we're digging into the first of the box now. I get to replenish my supply of uh, yeah. <laughs> air packs because they all went into your box. That's right. So now, you, now you've got some of mine. <laughs> I think I had to go out and buy more bubble pack for your box like twice. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got a massive stack of it. I just I just save it all the time. So I make make sure I get all the uh, all the stuff uh, saved and it goes out into the shed. I've got a massive, massive right. stack of bubble wrap. So what have we got here? So here we got the first, the first glorious item. 
So that it's a mouse. Yep. So that is a Logic Three Speed Mouse. This is original one from back in the day. And the good thing with this one is it's switchable uh, between the Atari ST and the Amiga, so you can use it on both. So it's quite a quite a fun little tool that one, um, and it's quite a nice smooth smooth mouse. That one's all fully boxed as well. Um, and uh, yeah, nice. I, I believe that actually came with this twelve hundred that you're you're receiving now. Wow. Oh. So what have we got right, there? We got, got some Compact Flash goodness. This is the IDE Compact Flash adapter, and this is a card which I guess you've prepared because I'm a complete total Amiga noob, <laughs> and I need. And there's no way I'd be able to do this out the gate. Yep. Oh, I know what this one is. Yes. So that is an Amiga SCART cable. Indeed. From, from the Retro Computer Shack. Indeed. So what have we got next then? Now we have more packing material. <laughs> Special packing material. Also known as Crunchy Bars. So we've got a, a shed load of Crunchy Bars. <laughs> that, is a, that is a shed load of Crunchy Bars. Look at that. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> What's this? Else down the side there. What's that one? So more bubble wrap, more future with 8-bit tape. <laughs> That's right. Oh yes, I now I remember it. What it is? <laughs> Just one of the key components. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> Let's see what we got here. Ah, there okay. We go. That's what this is. Yep. That is your is... individual computer's uh, accelerator. Now that is uh, what is it? The ACA one twelve. Is it? This should be the twelve twenty one. Twelve twenty one LC, isn't it? I think it is. Yes, the twelve twenty one LC. Yep. Yep. That's it. The red version. Yes. <laughs> the red PCB. <laughs> I thought you'd like the red PCB. So we've got another box, another bit of packaging. Oh boy, I think I know what this is too. <laughs> and it's not another Amiga peripheral. No, this is, this is not Amiga. <laughs> well now I feel bad, I didn't send you any food at all. <laughs> All right, I think I think we're done stalling. <laughs> let's let's get to the good stuff. <laughs> let's let's get this going on here. So we've got more uh, bubble wrap, more future was eight bit tape. <laughs> exactly. And we're getting into one of the computers because I've actually sent two Amigas over to Josh. That is a great wrapping job. It's wrapped in this in this black paper with sparkles all over it. And do you know where that paper where that paper came from? Well, I was going to ask uh, if if uh, Mutant Caterpillar a approved of this packing job. Yes, it was because that was actually the the same wrapping that um, Alex from Mutant Caterpillar wrapped my ZX Spectrum toast rack in when it came back all refurbished and working from them. <laughs> So it's well-travelled wrapping, that is. Yeah. So we're getting into the good stuff now. So this is 
going to be I think it, for anyone that's watching it by now I think they probably guess what it is so um, so this is the Amiga 1200 that Josh is just opening up yes indeed now oh I see there's another more tape back here it's well taped up <laughs> it is figure out which side to get into it on oh, there, there we go. go from from the bottom there we are Look at that. and it's made it in one piece that's what i like to see it has. <laughs> but that is that is nice amiga amiga 1200 yes so this is my first wedge amiga get this it's opening up the next one. More, more future was eight bit tape. Yeah. <laughs> and more, more bags. <laughs> yeah. So now we have an Amiga A five hundred plus. <laughs> yes, indeed. Look at that. So th that one, um, unfortunately, has succumbed to the Varta death, Varta of doom <laughs> inside. <Yeah. laughs> um, it is a non-worker, that one, but um, I'm sure it will come to life in Josh's most capable hands. But it's nice. I mean, it's clean. It's a good-looking machine. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very, very slightly yellowed. I think it shows more on the keys than on the actual unit itself. Um, yeah. But... Yeah. Good stuff. Oh, there we okay. are. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a pair of Amigas. <laughs> Good stuff. I am so happy, Tim. All right, my your turn. turn. My turn. Right. Okay. So I have got another camera here. So if I can master the switch over, um, let's have a look. So what do I need to do here? So I need to go that one on that one off there we go so there is all all the stuff that Josh sent over to me this came in in a massive huge box <laughs> um, yes and uh, I've, I've had to take it out of the box because I'm I'm up in my loft and there's no way I was going to get that box up into the loft so I've had to <laughs> it was a full four cubic feet <laughs> it's a huge box so um, yeah, so let's 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 dig into some of this stuff. I'm gonna uh, just switch back over um, onto my other camera, and then I'll just bring the stuff back over as I find it. Uh, so first off, we've got this one here. Get my blade and get into this one. So tell me, Josh, do you use Amazon a lot? <laughs> you might say. I've got a lot of those saved up because they come in so handy. So this one, ah, okay. So that's not actually Amiga related, but there's there's another story to that, isn't there? <laughs> there is indeed. 
so Josh was very very kind enough and this is kind of how we sort of like first knew each other really I think, was it before Pixel Gaiden or just about the set? I it think was just before wasn't it was it? yeah yeah so Josh um uh, actually sorted me out with um, an Apple 2C which is just sort of just over there actually in one of those drawers that you might have just seen earlier um, and uh, that was brought across by um, the wonderful Pete Fletcher um, he came over to um, when 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 it, when it, when it was uh, in times where you could actually travel and do things normally um, he came over to visit his son who's at um, university over here and uh, he brought over the Apple and I swapped over with him a ZX Spectrum um, so I've always been very very grateful to Josh for sorting that app, Apple out for me so that was that was really cool so now I've got the manual to go with it <laughs> this is a uh, a broadcast titler <laughs> So I'm guessing this is the instruction manual and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it might have the software oh, in right, it too, because okay. a lot of those manuals have three and a half inch floppies in the pockets there. So watch that they haven't escaped. Mm. So I guess I'll just say a little bit about this machine. I got it from a, a collector nearish to me. And uh, it had an original install of a whole bunch of video software that, that the previous owner had done. And he made the titles yeah. for the uh, live and, and stuff for, for his video business. So it had a bunch of that installed, as well as a Ethernet card and a stereo 16-bit sampling card. Yeah. So I've got another one here. I think, is this, is this the hard drive? Because I think you took the hard drive out as well, did you? Or is that still mounted in So there? if that's a hard drive, what it is is the original right. hard drive that came with okay. the unit. The one in it has been upgraded. Right. Okay. So I guess this is, uh, what, probably like a 20 meg or something like that, I guess. Quantum. I think it's 50. 50, is it? I think it's yeah. 50. So there we go. That's the original drive that came with the Amiga 3000. And it has the, the Amiga 3000 slash 25 sticker yeah. on it. Does indeed. Good stuff. So next, we've got some fairly hefty manuals. <laughs> this is the using the system software. <laughs> indeed. That is incredible. Absolutely amazing stuff that came with this. Oh, yeah, it had all the original manuals with it when I got it, so I just didn't want to separate no, them from the no, machine. No, it's amazing. We've got the warranties and all that sort of stuff in there. So just hold that up. So it's got the using the Amiga, the Quick Connect. So yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah, it's amazing. So what we've got here, so we've got some Kickstart ROMs. So those are the original Kickstart ROMs, as I, as I, as I understand it. The ones in it are upgrades. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Good. Is this from the original packaging, is it? But no, no. no. That was just a Tyvek envelope that I wanted to protect it in. 
I may have gone a little overboard with the internal packaging. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yep. So introducing the Amiga 3000. <laughs> yeah. All right. So there's your basic yeah. system manual yeah. right there. Nice. So these are... Oh, right. Apple II quarterly journals. March 2020. Juice.gs. Demist. Oh, good. You found yes. them. <laughs> so since you are now an Apple II enthusiast, I figured that I would send you last year's issues of Juice.gs. Right. I've already read okay. them. I love that. Nice. It is an Apple II print publication that has been running since the 80s or 90s, I believe. Oh, that's really good. Really nice. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. I thought you might enjoy enjoy those. those. Right then, so... There we go. So we've got the Amiga 3000 with lots lots and lots of packaging. Wow, look at that. Amiga Vision... Oh, yeah. So for those listening on the radio, this Amiga 3000 that I sent to Tim is in its original box. But a lot of the decals and and advertising stickers had fallen off of it. So they've been preserved both by the original owner and myself. Very nice. So that's what's in. Fantastic. Look at that. Here we go. There it is. There it is. The 3000. <laughs> There's the 3000. Beauty. Many, many miles away from me. <laughs> so on the back, what have we got? So we've got the, the network card. So we can get a picture of that. So we've got the net, get the right way. So we've got the network card and we've got the sound card at the bottom. We've got the standard Amiga ports at the back. And the so oh, that's the is that that's the VGA connector at the back there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So the yeah. three thousand has a built-in scan yeah. doubler with that switch there. That'll switch it from thirty-one to fifteen that's kilohertz. It. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely lovely. So you don't need the you don't need the outboard flicker no. fixer. Wow, that is amazing. And the next thing that's also very rare is the keyboard itself. <laughs> that's one thing with um, the keyboard that I've got for the CD32 is because it's got the black keys uh, people you know when when these things were like you know selling for pence rather than pounds people were buying up these CD thir- CD TV cases taking the keyboards out of them and putting them in their Amigas because they wanted the black keys yeah oh, wow um, so they're not they're not so easy to find nowadays and they even mm. did a uh, a matching black 1084 monitor as well um, and again they're really really difficult to find because the CD oh, TVs bet. didn't sell bet. that much anyway so <laughs> to find a complete kit with everything is very rare these days wow look at that that is super condition yeah it's in good shape There we have it, Amiga 3000 keyboard. Really, really nice. Indeed. Lovely. 
Hopefully you can hear me now. <laughs> I haven't got the keyboard in the way. <laughs> wow, gosh. Thank you very much. <laughs> that is amazing. Thank you very much, Josh. Ah, so hopefully you can get that 1200 up and running. And I can't wait to see you um, getting that going and um, maybe even streaming some games from it because you've got your uh, Twitch channel as well. So I don't know if you want to give that a quick plug. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I stream on Twitch again as 48k twitch.tv slash 48k ram. Uh, mostly Atari, but I'm probably going to do do more stuff branching out soon. But yeah, we're going to get this. We're going to get this 1200, 1200 all fixed up, and um, hopefully the 500 plus as well. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah, this, I'm I'm excited. Me too. I, ca I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what you're going to do with that 500 plus. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Josh. It's uh, great to have you on thank the show. Thank you very much, Tim. Uh, thank you for coming on, and thanks for sending that out. And, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll speak again later. And um, to everyone uh, watching and listening, thank you very much for your patience while we've been unboxing and uh, sharing a bit of joy with you <laughs> and a bit of meagre love. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you all on the next episode. Thanks a lot. All right, so... Eric and I are back here live in the studio. Jamming. But we are jamming on this music that Tim uh, put on the outro of this, so. Yeah. It also kind of reminds me of McDonald Land. <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> Eric, I think it's time to drink more beer. Please. Let's crack open some beers. All right. What do you got next in that pile of goodness? Let's do the Santa Cruz Blonde Ale. Why not? We're looking at another uh, tall boy can here from Santa, uh, Strike Brewing Company. Yep. Which I'm going to guess is in Santa Cruz, but let me see if I'm right. Uh, yeah, no. no. San Jose, California. Pretty close. I mean, not. I, it's close, I guess. Close-ish. It's a 45-minute drive. Yeah. So um, we are, by the way, sending one of these to our boy Tim. All right. So I got Tim a Tim. third one for him. It's going to be in transit here pretty soon. But this is a Santa Cruz Blondale Strike Brewing, like you said. Uh, 4.5 alcohol content. I figure this is a good summer beer. Should be nice, crisp blonde. I would say it's a classic dot Blondale, which combines wonderful malt character with a light body and mild bitterness to create an incredibly refreshing beer. Sounds But that would just be a guess since I haven't tried it yet. <laughs> right. Let's open that bad boy up. And the logo caught me because it's the Santa Cruz logo from uh, Surf and Skateboards of Days of Yore. Yeah, I know Santa Cruz Skateboards. That's what... Uh, yep. Let me get my pour on here into the mic so y'all listeners can... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was more of a Powell Peralta guy, but Ooh. Santa Cruz boards. I liked Rodney Mullen myself. All right. Let's go ahead and say cheers, my friend. Cheers! To part two of episode 58. We're on episode 58, Eric. Episode 58. So we're going to rate this beer out of 5,800 skateboards. Oh, I like it. I like it. Um, 5,800 skateboards. That's, a, that's too many skateboards. That's a lot. That's a lot. All right. Hmm. This one's a lot drier than the last one, since we can kind of compare them. They are both light beers. Mm-hmm. It's definitely flavorful. I wouldn't say it lacks flavor. I'm not 100% sure I'm loving the flavor. It's like dry... 
not sweet at all. Nope, not sweet. Definitely bitter. I can taste a little bit of the malt. It might be for like a blonde. It, it might be for a blonde ale a little bit too malt forward for me. Hmm. It's not bad by any stretch. It's not no. a bad beer at all. But I will say the there is something a little tiny bit off putting about the flavor. Interesting. Maybe I'm just comparing it to uh, Trejo. You know, well, Danny Trejo. You know, Danny Trejo is just so, so sweet. <laughs> well, <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but no, I'm digging it. I like it. Uh, so at a 5800, I'm gonna let you go first. At a 5800 skateboards, I actually quite like this one. Um, okay, good. I'm gonna give it 43. But did you say thousand? 5800. Yeah, 5800. 4300. 4,300. 4,300. And seven. I'm going to give seven. it... I'm going to... Yeah, I'm about right there. I'm going to give it a 4,150. Okay. Okay. 4,150. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I like it. It's crisp. It's good. It's crisp. And it tastes cold. It is cold. Which is something that is actually a thing. Tasting cold. Mm-hmm. Eric. Good deal. I think that it's time for Fight. a... Fight! <laughs> Because what what do we need to do? Battle of the systems. Battle of the systems. <laughs> Cody, do you want to know why I really like this battle? Uh, why? I want to tell you my, my favorite part of this battle. It's because we did it together. We did it as brethren. Yes, we which did. is my word now for us. Let's play it, brother. What is up, my brethren? Um, the Battle <laughs> of the Systems. This episode is Metal Slug Five, Neo Geo Metal Slug Five versus Demon Front on the Poly Game System. Did I say that right? I believe so. Poly Game System. I knew it, nothing about Demon Front at all. Mm-hmm. You, you created this this battle. You I wanted did. you wanted to compare compare Demon Front to to a Metal Slug. Yeah, um, and I kind of helped dial in the five and and for two reasons. One, because I already started playing it. <laughs> right. And two, um, Demon Front on this completely different hardware. Obviously, Metal Slug was a Neo Geo game. That's correct. And then this other hardware, which you can talk about in a second, came out with Demon Front, mm-hmm. and they released it. it was basically a clear rip off of Metal Slug. Right. But it came out after Metal Slug 4, mm-hmm. and so Metal Slug th- that 5 was them it. retaliating, right? So yep. what did Metal Slug 5 have to do? Because they, they had to try to, mm-hmm. you know, one-up again, right? That's the, that's That was my thought. So can Demon Front out Metal Slug Metal Slug? Right. Even if Metal Slug gets the, second, the last chance. Yep. And uh, for people that may not have heard about the poly game system... Uh, it is. It, it's because it really only came out in Taiwan. It was a Taiwan okay. system. It made it to other places, but it it never really reached the U.S. or or the U.K. or whatever. I mean, it, basically, people discovered these on once the system started proliferating in emulators and things like that here. But from what I understand, it was very popular in Taiwan, China, places like that. Well, spoiler alert, if the games on that system are anything similar mm-hmm. to Demon Front, yeah. how did this go un- unknown? Correct. and That's crazy. And, yep, and, and I will, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. I had never heard of the Polygame system either until I heard ARG Presents. They had, okay. a, they had a whole episode where they 
had a battle versus Neo Geo in general versus the Poly game system in okay, general. Okay, so we're ripping them off. We're ripping them off, but they didn't dive into any of the game. I mean, they, they, they would pick games here and there, and they mainly picked a lot of... I guess there were a lot of shooters for uh, the Poly game system. Oh, now we gotta play Like it. shmups. I guess Dodon Pachi was one of them. Oh, really? Yep. And... Uh, well, that's an amazing game. That's yep. probably my top, at least top ten arcade games, if not five. And they spoke a lot about on Neo Geo, like some of the puzzle games and uh, the fighters. They mainly picked a lot of fighters to talk about. Um, but when I listen to it, one of my favorite Neo Geo games is Metal Slug. I think that's fun. I mean, it's not like a really deep game, but it's a game that when I just want to chill out and play a game, that's fun. And I love the style of graphics in Metal Slug. I'll just throw Metal Slug on, you know? I mean, it's a great fun game I'd never heard of Demon Front and so like when I dove into what we could we compare to Metal Slug I was I was pretty happy to find that it was a poly game system game called Demon Front so let's go ahead and run down yeah. um, uh, let's, well let's just start with Metal Slug 5 because it's more of a known quantity right okay and we should talk about it we did play both of these games together two player style which I thought was Couch a unique co-op style which I thought was a unique element I played a little bit at home single player on both of these games but we we played the we kind of played the crap out of these games mainly we yeah we played, did with Demon Front we beat the game which we'll talk about but on Metal Slug 5 we were getting through it and then other way around no, I think Metal Slug... Oh, was it the other way around? It was around? the other way around. Okay. We beat Metal Slug 5, That's and we'll right. talk about Demon Front in a second. But gotcha, okay. I think it is important to know, I do have an arcade uh, main arcade machine behind us. Yes. We didn't play it on that. We sat in uh, the chairs we're sitting in now, played it on the uh, flat screen using the Pi 400 and a couple of uh, 8-bit dough controllers. Nice. That's how we did That was our litmus test, so... Yeah. Yep. All right, so, so we'll, we'll, Metal Slug 5, what are we looking at here? So, Metal Slug 5, I can give us some... Let me give my legendary... Uh, Dry statistics on Metal Slug 5. Of course. Give it to him dry, Eric. Yep. <laughs> Metal Slug 5 was a game made by SNK Playmore in 2003. That is, well, was it 2003? According to the title screen here. That's what it says, huh? <laughs> SNK Playmore, obviously, so it was a Neo Geo game. It is in the Metal Slug series. Obviously, this is number five out of, you know, I don't know how many Metal Slug the, games. Many, there are so many. many. Um,. It, the platform was arcade, but it also came out on Microsoft Windows, Neo Geo, AES, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 4, Xbox, Xbox One. The release date was November 2003 in the arcades. Neo Geo, AES was 2004. Windows was September 2004. Um, the genre is run and gun, single player and co-op. And uh, the arcade system was Neo Geo MVS. So Nailed it. Yep. And you would call this a run and gun, right? Oh, it's absolutely. Platformer run and gun, right? When you say run and gun, I think of two games off the top of my head, Contra and Metal Slug. Those are, those are my definition of run and gun. What would you call, let me ask you this, what would you call Commando? Oh. Is uh, that a run and gun, but, but vertical? See, that, yeah, I, I, I mean, now we're getting to semantics. I don't, I wouldn't naturally say that's a run and gun. I wouldn't even think of it as that, personally. What, what would you call it? But I don't know why not. Would it be a, a shooter? Top like down, a shoot- top down shooter? Because <clears throat> it's kind of like a shoot 'em up, but it's, a, it's somebody on foot. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And, and actually, Contra, uh, Contra 2, which is called Super Contra on the Nintendo, every other level is a top down, yeah. basically commando style. 
So I guess is that a I guess it's a running top gun down running too? gun I guess yeah. if I wanted to get I just wouldn't naturally occur to me to call that running gun but yeah, I think you're right all right well I, I didn't want to get off on a tangent but there we go so let's but, talk but about you did metal slug so a lot of people know metal slug yep obviously uh, in the arcades I think I definitely played up grow up playing some metal slug in, on Neo Geo systems yeah um, and it was a game definitely a quarter eater now both of these are going to be they're arcade games let's throw that up front yeah. Uh, and I will. I'm going to be biased because, again, for anybody listening, I rate games as um, how much I enjoy them playing them here in my current surroundings, not imagining back then or in the arcade. Right. I play them here now. Mm-hmm. So how good is this game here and now? And uh, up front, one thing that's going to be a detractor for me is the fact that these games can be coin-fed all the way through. There's not really a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to create your own challenge. Like, maybe you only put in 10 coins and see how far you can get. Or right. You have to kind of create your own challenge, which doesn't feel the same to me. Okay. So that's always going to be any arcade game um, <clears throat> that you can coin feed. is going to be... I'm going to have a few points taken off right off the top, just because it doesn't work well for me. Okay. Um, but this battle is on even terms, because both these games are that way. Yeah. Uh, so Metal Slug, I'm going to go ahead and hit play here. We just uh, inserted some coins, apparently. And... Um, Here's what you see, the normal Neo Geo startup screen, right, Eric? That's right. And you get to pick your soldier select in the beginning, so there's a choice of four different people. Um, you, I always like to pick the ladies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why the, not? So y- the game, I mean, I, I don't even know how where to begin. It's a Metal Slug game. So, I mean, if you've played them, you played them, but it, you basically you are... What, what, let's talk about the graphical style for a bit, because there's one thing I really love about Metal Slug, which I've always loved, oh, yeah. is the graphical style. I, I don't know really how else to s- explain it other than they're, they're, they're sprites, obviously, but they're mm-hmm. very, very animated and very detailed and colorful sprites. They have a ton of frames of animation. Yep. They're very, the way they're drawn is cartoony and expressive. Mm-hmm. So that everybody, every every single sprite on the screen that is a a person, or even some of the, the vehicles and things, have a personality. That's right. So the whole screen is just overloaded with movement, personality, backgrounds are moving, uh, characters are moving. I think the Neo Geo has something like 192 moving sprites that can do on screen at once. Which is amazing. And they use it. <laughs> they, they use it with the Metal Slug games, and um, it is a multi-directional run and gun so you can fire up above you you can fire below you you can fire you you can run and jump um when you get right up next to somebody and this is a key part yes you pull out like a dagger and slice their throat (laughs) exactly so there's like melee if you bump up against somebody not a separate button just if you're close and you press fire that happens that's right it just happens um but we should talk about the controls a little bit because there will be a contrast to to demon fruit on this so with a typical Neo Geo game, I believe in this game there's f- three buttons in use, right? Because Neo Geo has four. Yep, and you're, only, you're three, only using three. Three, three in use. So there's fire. Mm-hmm. There's jump. Mm-hmm. And then the other grenade. one is grenade, and that's all you have. So those are the- they actually call it a bomb in the top corner. There it tells you how many bombs you start with ten with every new life. Correct. It is a fast-paced running gun. Lots of enemies start coming at you. Um, one thing that differentiates Metal Slug from other run-and-gun games like this is that they, they do love their vehicles in Metal Slug, yep. which is really the title, right? 
yeah, the, the metal the little, slug is the tank, right? It's a little tank that can, uh, mm-hmm. like a one-person tank that is called the metal slug. Yep. And so you jump in the metal slug, and like what we found in co-op was you'd always let me jump in the metal slug, and then you would go around firing people, and I tried to give you support to try to clear the way. Yeah, so the metal, the mm-hmm. metal slug that you need to think about is a small tank, mm-hmm. and it can jump. So the controls don't yep. change. The controls don't change. <laughs> but it's almost like, really, it is almost like just putting armor on. In a way. Well, and you get this mega weapon, you have armor, people are shooting at you, but it has its yep. own health bar. When it runs out of health, it starts flashing, which means, hey, you have like 10 seconds to get out, it's going to blow. So you become like a kind of a damage sponge. So yep. you're basically just taking the hits, and if in a, in a two-player game, we found that actually pretty handy. Yep, and I hate driving that thing. I don't know what what it is about it. I yeah. don't like it, and you do, so that I worked like out. It. Yep, I have no problem with it. And the key thing is you want to jump out in time before it blows up. Yeah. And it gives you on-screen indicators like, hey, you better jump, get get out of there, and you got to jump out, and then it explodes. You have, to, you have to press down and jump to jump out, which is weird. Yes, you're right. And if you don't, you take damage. The other big thing in a Metal <laughs> Slug game is um, there are these POWs, they look like homeless people, but yeah. these guys with big old beards that hair that you can't even see their eyes, yep. and they just kind of wander around, and when you um, physically just cross them, like your sprites touch, that means you've rescued them, even though they're already walking around, which is interesting. Yeah. And they say, thank you. Thank you. And then they uh, pull out their shorts mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah, they're like boxer they're shorts. boxer they shorts. Because yeah. that's a way to, I mean, that's one way to thank someone. <laughs> and then yeah. they give you some sort of uh, either point or a power-up or a... Something to help you out. Yep. More bombs or a special power for your gun. Your normal shot can become a machine gun or a spread shot or all kinds of crazy things, depending on which which game you're playing. Lots of weapon power-ups, which I find actually a lot of fun. Um, so specific to Metal Slug, I mean, that's Metal Slug right there, right? That's Metal Slug in general, yeah. Uh, you uh, Also, there's usually like some sort of shoot-em-up stage where you're flying at some point. Yeah, I remember there was one. Yeah, this one had jets and some other ones had helicopters, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, um mm-hmm. There were submarines, I think, in, in yep, one. I believe you're right. Yep. So the theme in this one, there's always a theme, and it's kind of like Aztec. Yes. Um, what's interesting right off the beginning is you're going down a river, mm-hmm. and you're riding on these canoes, so you're actually only walking back and forth on the canoe, which is scrolling forward. Um, kind of a unique take on it. The game is all about taking the same formula and visually and uh make, making it vis- visually different and interesting and, and and again we can't i can't say enough metal slug is beautiful it I really mean, is i mean the, the graphics the animation the colors it is it is it is really really beautiful and we can't stress that enough i mean i i one thing i love about metal slug is just playing it and enjoying the graphics i mean how well they look in the sound the sound's really good too absolutely um, so yeah, at this point they're going down the, the canoe, and there's these now there's these guys with these crazy uh, little like, tribal masks. Masks, and, yep. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and fast forward so we can get some of the boss fights, things like that. Yep. Uh, this part was interesting. So there's at this the point you're slug. in the metal slug. Yep. Um, there's levels like this where you're kind of going down through a tunnel, and you kind of have to go up and down different platforms, and then you know part of that is trying to figure out which enemies are above you or below you and how you're going to attack them before they attack you. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is interesting because there's these fire traps that you kind of have to time as well. Um, and then the first boss, I'm trying to get to the boss so we can I'm, can remember who, who that was and what they did. Uh, but instead, I think I found a, an advertisement. Yeah. So that's going to be fun to talk about. <laughs> um, 
the character in this particular run through is Fia, which is the girl who which I was, um, and you were one of the one of the dudes. I can't remember. I don't remember which one. Uh, it was the one with the the very nerdy one with the hat. The nerdy guy. That's yeah. right. Uh, the first boss, boss fight. That's right. It was this giant tank which does like wheelies. It almost again it has personality, almost like a dog. If I yeah. were to ask, yep, it's almost like rubbing its butt on the ground. And you can see your character can jump onto the tank and actually fire on it while it's riding on it, which I think is really cool. And great boss <clears throat> battles because again, you kind of learn the formula, and mm-hmm. once you got the formula down, you can. I mean, this game is it is a game. I think that with enough practice, you could one coin clear. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen people do really, really well in Metal Slug in the arcade. Like I remember watching people go on and on once you get the patterns down again a game like this if you do memorize where enemies are coming because every time i play metal slug i'll play like i'll play it three times from the beginning and every time i get much further and much further because it is a game of memorization of where the enemies are and who you're coming up against but it also is a game where the enemies continue to come so you have to move forward otherwise you won't get anywhere because enemies aren't going to stop they're not going to start, so that's where memorization won't serve you if you don't keep moving forward, because you just get new enemies, and then you're back to square one. This was funny. After you complete the boss, mm-hmm. um, there's a little cutscene, basically. Still made of the sprites and animation. It's not like a video or anything like that. Yep. Um, but basically, this uh, random like white thing falls from the sky, and you see the little Aztec people walk up to it and take a look, and one of the guys takes his mask off, and you can see he's kind of like an old guy underneath. Yeah, and he puts on uh, this new white mat, and they throw spears at it because they're scared of it. I mean, so much personality. Yeah, uh, there he goes. He takes his mask off, put the new mask on, and lightning strikes him, and everyone gets terrified. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, again, a lot of personality. <clears throat> Level two, you're kind of in an industrial facility, and there's this little guy that pops out and has these other metal slugs come out and attack you. Yeah, and he looks like the. I don't know what you'd call him, like the suit, like one of the mini bosses, like the supervisor dude, like he's we, for, a little for general. Reason, we were just calling him Hitler. I don't know why, but we were. Yeah, call- he doesn't look like Hitler. I mean, he's young <laughs> and he's he's younger and no mustache, but he kind of yells people into yeah the direction he wants them to go. You go down the shaft, which is again another cool set piece for going down. Think people are falling from the sky, you're attacking mm-hmm. them. Um, Guys come out with shields, and they're harder to kill. If you can get behind them, you can kill them pretty easily. But they do come at you with shields and absorb a lot of damage while you're firing at them. Another part of Metal Slug games is uh, <laughs> guys will be on the ground ducking and shooting, so you have to duck to shoot them, hit them, and yep. jump over their fire. Um, there's guys with bazookas now at this point. And then here we go. Now we've hit the point where you are in a jet fighter, although mm-hmm. it's a cute little chibi jet fighter. Yeah, it's like the Metal Slug jet fighter. Yeah, yeah. And this is cool because it felt like a shmup, but you can still direct your fire, mm-hmm. so it still felt like Metal Slug 2. Yeah. And you're fighting this gigantic, like, bomber plane that is larger than the screen. Yeah. And I had a blast on this fight as well. You kind of had to learn the patterns again and mm-hmm. play kind of like a shmup, kind of not. Um, again, just kind of going forward here to see if there's anything else in particular note to talk about. And the enemies are so varied. Like, you have the Aztec guys in the first level. Now they're, like, almost like stormtrooper-looking guys with masks on, like, tactical masks and more modern. And th- th- here's the submarine Level with the metal slug submarine. Yep, and you had, there's the jellyfish uh, schools you had to get through, and these giant other enemy submarines, which looked less cute yeah. than you are, so you knew it was a bad guy. Um, and this was fun, too, the same thing. You were in the submarine, which means I was not in the submarine, so I was going to drown, right? Nope. They put me in a little like scuba mask and a yeah. little thing. Uh, look at these gorgeous giant squids popping out to attack. I just, it's, it's so cool. Yeah. Um, 
And then uh, I'll just kind of fast forward because there's more game. We don't need to talk about every individual thing. Right. Um, for some reason, I hear from a lot of people the first Metal Slug or the second one were kind of like the high points and they kind of went downhill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what people think about five. Maybe at the end of this, we'll look it up and see where they rank it. I loved it. I thought it was Metal Slug with more creativity. Yeah, it, more creativity. It it has nothing like the enemies in the first or second one. So I mean, they did a they really did try to vary what you are up against, and they're not just set pieces. They they don't just steal levels from the first Metal Slugs. Everything's unique. I don't I don't know what there is really to complain about. I do remember this final boss was very cheap. There was no way you're getting through this. No, well, not without feeding. dumping in. <laughs> uh, your life savings worth of quarters. So I would say you can single coin this game up until the final boss, and then it, no, yeah. just no. Um, so I have a couple. Awesome. I have a couple of scores. I don't know if you want to hear them now or when we do the final rankings. But let's go ahead and give our score first. Okay. Um, so what what do these have in common? They're running guns. They're running guns. Cartoon based. Uh, beautiful pixel art, both of them. Mm-hmm. Running guns. Um. It's yeah. got to be a good... Uh, Demon Front doesn't have vehicles, so we can't go there. A lot of shooting. How about, like, artillery shell, like <laughs> a, a ammunition or something to that effect? <laughs> metal casings. Okay. So we'll do metal casings. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So let's do... There's got to be a lot of metal casings. These games probably use 10,000 each. So let's do 10,000. Brilliant. <laughs> glad you're glad you're picking up what I was putting down. 10,000 metal casings. All right, Metal Slug 5, for me, we've already mentioned everything. I don't need to repeat it all. Yeah. Uh, but again, you have to kind of make it your own. If you weren't here, mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't have enjoyed it nearly as much, because the fun of this game was going through it and talking about it with you and laughing at things and then yep. doing dumb things. And um, I'm going to give it, again, for home use, for what it is, it's an absolute must play, mm-hmm. but now that I've played through it, I don't know if I'd play it again. Okay. That's the truth about it. Fair enough. I'm going to give it 8,200 casings. 8,200. I had a blast with it. It is much better with two players. And I'm glad we were able to do that. Um, I I could see going back to this game just as a relaxing, fun arcade game, which is what it's really supposed to be. I have no problems going back to it. I, I still load up the first Metal Slug and play it all the time, even though I've played it hundreds of times. Um, <laughs> you never you never go back and play 2 through 9 or whatever? No, I really don't. I really don't. <laughs> um, this I, Probably this was my first time playing Metal Slug 5. I mean, I'm sure yeah. I've loaded it up before, but I've never played it. Um, I'm going to give this one... I mean, I'm right there with you. I really enjoyed my time with it. I, I think I'm going to give it 8,000 even. Okay. So 8200 for you, 8000 for me. Which means it's time for Demon Front. What are the deets? Demon Front. So let's talk about Demon Front. Let me find some details here. Demon Front was by a company called IGS. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it stands for. Something Taiwanese. Yep, it is a platform it is a plat is it I'm sorry, it is an arcade game. It is a run and gun just like Metal Slug. Its release was 2002, so one year before Metal Slug 5. Mm-hmm. Um, it is single-player and two-player co-op, and it is the, the arcade system it was done on as Polygame Master. So I did get Polygame that right. I always, master. I always worry. That, did I say that before? Polygame? I don't think you said the master part. Okay, but, yeah. Polygame Master. Which, by the way, we, we, we can clarify that for people that don't know, although I assume most of our listeners do know this. 
The Neo Geo system was made to be modular so that arcade owners could just literally buy a new cartridge and instead of having the whole motherboard swapped out of a system, you just slap in a new cartridge. It, it came with a kit. Yeah. So you get a cartridge, you'd get a marquee, you'd get a little instruction sticker, yep. and you can literally just put those things in and on the... In, in your shell. And that was yep. it was genius, because you didn't... Before that, there were conversion kits for arcades, but you... But they were still, like, $1,000 conversion kits, and you had to do, like, hardware changes. You had to change the controls. You had to change the, the motherboards. You had to change so much about it. It was a pain in the butt. So Neo Geo, I, and I assume they were first... I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I believe sure. they were, yeah. Yeah, so they made a very modular system for doing that. Well, Polygame Master decided, hey, that's a good thing. Let's do the same thing. Yep. So their system's the same thing. It's a cartridge-based system that they you can just swap it out. Um, so that's pretty much the, that's the details for Demon Front. So let's get into it. So Demon Front is a run-and-gun game just like Metal Slug. And if you load it up, the colors are a little more muted. The, yeah. You know, they they are. They're they a are. little more muted. They're, the colors for Metal Slug are a little brighter and more, I guess, primary colors? Yeah, yeah. You can say these are I, more, I don't want to say brighter, but more primary colors in Metal Slug. These are this, more earth tones. It's still very comic-y. Very comic-y, but still very, very good. I mean, the graphics are amazing in Demon Front. Well, I, I love, like, right there, like, in between scenes and stuff, they mm-hmm. actually have these kind of... Uh, anime looking like cutscenes. Yes. Um there's parts of it that I think the pixel art is actually better on this game than mm-hmm. Metal Slug 5. Yeah. In fact, I would say the, the in my opinion the art itself is better. Okay. Um which is definitely saying something. Yeah, because Metal Slug is top tier. Absolutely. And I feel like somehow this is topper tier. <laughs> sure. Um I'm just looking at the intro screen here. I mean, this if this wouldn't make you want to play the game, I don't know what would. Yeah. Um, oh, it's interesting. They actually put an HTTP www.igs.com right in the title screen. Yeah. <laughs> they put a little URL, which was pretty unusual for the early 2000s. Yeah, right? Um, I mean, that's interesting. So, with that said... Um, yeah, there's something there's there is a bit of a smooth, more smoothness I want to say to the sprites. They don't look as pixelated to me. They look a little bit more smooth. Um, so let's I just talk- feel the backgrounds are gorgeous. Yeah, the backgrounds are amazing. Let's talk about the controls again. Three button controls, and they for even the cheat Master. and do the exact Neo Geo layout where they show the stick button A, B, and C, and it like shows you the button being pushed and what it does. A complete rip off. Complete rip off. Absolutely, and. So it's the same. It's it's um, it's fire, then jump, and then the C button is not the same. Is not the same. So A and B were pretty much the same. C is a different dynamic, which I gotta say I found really pretty cool part of this game. So yeah. every character in in Demon Front has a little animal with it, a little floating animal. What that, do they call it? They usually call it a familiar. A right? familiar. Yep, and. The familiar has a function where if you hold the fire, the the C button down, it will charge. It's a charged shot, and then when you let go of it, you can you you it basically will do a very powerful shot for a few seconds at whatever it, whatever you're, is in front of you. Otherwise, it does lend to general firepower. It adds a little a, a different. Um, I don't know what you call it. Like in a shmup, it would be like the little floating ship that floats around you and Option. fires with you. Yeah. 
So there's a charged shot with the animal, and there is a... Um, shield. A, a, a shield. So you can convert your animal. He disappears, and you get a little bubble shield that is around you that is quite effective. I mean, I would say, yeah, that was... I just kind of left it on that, because mm-hmm. on both these games, you get shot once, you're dead. Right. That shield takes, like, five or six hits. Like, it... it substantially adds to your agreed the only time i didn't when i when i would use it it would be for um when we were against bosses sometimes i'd want to just try to do that charge shot to see if it it caused more damage on the bosses Uh, but otherwise i pretty much left it on shield but what's interesting though is if your shield runs away and runs out Mm mm-hmm then your guy's dead. Your, yeah. your familiar is dead. Yeah, the familiar is the shield. <laughs> so, because you, you can switch back and forth, you can go from you can go from shield to familiar to shield to familiar, and as long as you have enough, I guess, energy in your familiar, which there's no bar or anything, you just kind of have to know. You just kind of have to know. And well, one indicator is if you go to the shield mode, you can see it actually. It gets dim. Yeah, it starts to deteriorate as you lose energy in that shield. So I, f- I found that to be a very interesting and useful dynamic in, in, in that. Now, but, we kind of misled a little bit, because you said mm-hmm. that B is a jump button just like Metal Slug. But it's not just that. No, it's not. So if you jump with B and hold it down, mm-hmm. when you get to the top of your jump, I you forgot. start floating. I forgot about that, and it's one of my favorite mechanics, which when we went to play Metal Slug, I wanted to float. Because we went straight from Demon Front to Metal Slug 5. I wanted that I wanted that mechanic in Metal Slug and it wasn't there. Yep. So like yeah, if you jump like even off of a cliff or something, you can hold that button down and like literally you have little fairy wings that you can float down to wherever you're going. So basically rather than falling right away, you mm-hmm. fall about four times slower. Correct. Um, and, but that's cool because then you can also shoot in every direction while you're doing that. While you're doing that. So I would jump I would literally jump and float and shoot at the same time so yep. that enemy's fire would go below me because I'm up in the air floating back down. I found that to be an extremely useful offensive maneuver. Now, the uh, again, all the uh, character animations are really well done. Mm-hmm. Lots of frames of animation, and every character has a lot of personality. I mean, they yep. went out. Now, this I liked. Yeah. Uh, when you first start the game, you actually get a stage select screen. Mm-hmm. And you can play them in any order. Now it also tells you, or I think you had to, you had to tell me some of them were easier and some were harder. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is cool. Just having that choice is is something. And you can go wherever you, for the first three levels. You can go. You can tackle them whatever you want, whatever way you want to do it. Um, another mechanic is that when you do melee in this game, little hearts float up, mm-hmm. and you can grab those hearts that will add to your to your meter, your your life meter. Um, I found that uh, an interesting mechanic as well, but it only happens in melee. But I believe that is the life meter of your familiar, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're still a one-hit kill. Correct. Correct. Yep, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. And so, then the, some of the bonus, the bonuses that drop down are these big, like red rubies and jewels, and those will add to your familiar's life as well. Um, there's just more going on. So much more. And, and but it doesn't. It's not complicated. Like it just kind of flows with the game. So yeah, it's more in a good way. Like like when you're playing a shmup and there's points flying all over the screen, yep. and you don't need to know exactly what they're saying. You just know that more is better. Yeah, and that's how it feels in here. You're just like yes. Um, and then power ups come down. These different gems. I think is that not correct? Like red, blue, green. Yep, those are power ups. Uh, I believe the. The red ones are life, and the blue ones are 
I think it's firepower. It's a, it lo- just looks like a blue skull up there. I don't really know, but I assumed it was just increasing your firepower. Uh, enemies are a lot weirder in this game. Yeah, they are. They're not just humans. They are, like, at this point, these giant, like, eye of the beholder eyeballs floating. With tentacles. With tentacles. I mean, but super cool. Coins fall out of the sky. Um, I love the part how, like, when you're shooting different parts of the background, if you're shooting them, will start flashing, mm-hmm. which means you're hitting them. Yep. And you can destroy the background. and You have to figure out where those weak spots are. Yep, and Metal Slug had that a little bit. Metal Slug 5 had that a little bit, they, but they not do as have much. a little bit, and it's not really hidden. <clears throat> it's more just kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. This, you kind of have to shoot around, and you'll find that stuff. It's more of a... Yep. I found that interesting. These guys were weird. They scooted around their butts. <laughs> and I'm not talking about Metal Slug vehicles. I'm talking about, like, dudes. Yeah, they're dudes, and they scoot around their butts like they got worms. Yeah. Which, <laughs> anyways. And like that. Like, look at that. That was brilliant. Yeah. So, like, I didn't even notice that when we were playing, but there's a large rock about to roll down a hill with a yeah. little board under it. So, one of these little peasant guys jumps on the board. Let me see if you can see it here. I think it's right after he goes through this this door here. Uh, he jumps on the board to try to dislodge the huge boulder towards you. Yeah. And, um... I don't know if you saw what happened here. Hold on. I'm trying to get back to the point where he does it. Here you go. Watch yeah, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he, he just falls on his butt. The board snapped in half, hit him in the head, and he fell on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and now there's, air, like, aerial ships that you have to fight, just like the helicopters in Metal Slug when they're up above you. Uh, but this one actually kind of, you know, increases the difficulty by making multiple ships come out because there'll be multiple ships that follow this one there it is right there there you go and uh that's where you use that charge up attack but man it is so smooth the graphics are great it felt like a faster frame rate too Mm -hmm. than metal slug did to me so what i learned on arg presents from our our homies there is that the poly game master actually did have beefier specs to their hardware well it was uh 14 years old, newer at that point wasn't it i guess but it it, it was able to handle more sprites more it the, the more frame rate the, like, neo geo came out the hardware came out in 1990 yeah this game is 2003 yeah but i don't know when the poly game system came out we'd have to look that up this might have been a later game in the series yeah um but it did have better specs which can lend itself to a smoother graphics uh well, smoother gameplay, better graphics, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Metal Slug was very much like a military-based mm-hmm. game series. This is pure fantasy. Yep. Fantasy with uh, almost like a steampunk kind of... kind of yeah. A little bit, because, I mean, the weapons are very traditional. Shotguns and this and that. It's so like right now he's attacking these eggs, and the eggs are hatching to giant, like, metal-covered worms, and there's mm-hmm. floating eyeball. Like, this is much more fantastical. Yep. Um... Which lends itself to be uh, more creative. I mean, yep. to a point. Um, so the funny thing is, they they obviously ripped off Metal Slug because Metal Slug came out so many years before this one, a decade before this, really. The first, first Metal one, Slug, yeah. yeah. Um, but created, then, created the formula. Yeah. So they ripped off Metal Slug, but then they did add enough elements to make it actually unique and worth playing. Even though Metal Slug still exists, this one is different and worth playing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, What's interesting, too, a lot of the bosses and stuff in this one, as I remember, mm-hmm. uh, they have a lot of attacks that will attack one character specifically. Yeah. So it was kind of fun to be able to have one character kind of be the bait. Right. Uh, and then there's just always when you beat a boss, 
this little claw floats around yeah. and you shoot the crap out of it for some reason yep. and collect coins and stuff after the words. And look how beefy his uh, familiar is in there. He, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he buffed it up somehow, and I think that's that uh, blue bar that's yeah, on the top. Yeah, I think the, the heart heals it. Yep. The uh, other one, the blue, whatever, yeah. Makes you feel more strong, like stronger and stronger. And look at that. I mean, he it's a monster now. <laughs> he, was, he was ripped. <laughs> that familiar was ripped. Yep. So, so many interesting things in this game and so many different dynamics that uh, you have to think about above and beyond Metal Slug. Um, it's not to take away from Metal Slug. Such a great game as well, but... This one did add a lot more things to think about. Now, for some people, that might be a negative, not a positive, for Maybe. a run-and-gun arcade game. Okay, what are there any negatives you can think of about this game versus Metal Slug? I don't. I can, I. I really can't think of any negatives. No, versus Metal Slug. Other than specifically Metal Slug Five. Other in than this getting case. it to run. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we won't talk about that. But yeah. I did get it to run, but it took me a while. But that's not the game's fault. Let's just say the Polygame Master wasn't wasn't one that has been uh, streamlined to work well on systems. So it does take some getting some some tweaking and getting uh, getting uh, the modern systems to run it. We figured it out. We figured. Well, I only tried on my Raspberry Pi four hundred, of course. But, yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know what else there is to say about this except to just list everything we see on the screen, which would be boring to hear. So, right, Eric, we're ready to rate it. Demon Front out of ten thousand expended shells, <laughs> or whatever I said last time. Metal casings. Metal casings. Yep. What are you digging? What are you feeling on the uh, metal on the Demon Front? I'm going to give it. So I rated the last one. I did nine thousand. Metal Slug Five, a fine game. You did 9,000? I did 8,000. 8,000. I did 82. You did 82. I'm going to give this one a solid 9,000. I found the extra elements to be interesting, and it actually added to a game that can get a little monotonous, but this adds an element that actually spices it up. So Eric, that's what I agree saying. wholeheartedly. Okay. And I am going to give it an... 88641. 88641? Yes. <laughs> That's 88,641. Oh, yes. 10 times no, the full score. No, I, I'm, I didn't mean to do that on purpose. 88864. Okay. 8,864. Excellent. So the unanimous winner is Demon Front, which is. Absolutely. Which is. Yeah, let's do some applause. Yay! Yes. Well, well done, Taiwan. I find it interesting that I, I guarantee you we can ask a ton of people and not many people will know about Demon Front. I never even knew about it. Well, that, I didn't know about it until I heard our ARG Presents. It's great. So Demon, It is great. And it, I want to go back and we haven't. So we didn't finish this. Okay. So well, you can tell the story behind that. Yeah, and I th- I'll take the full blame for that. So. Oh, you didn't do anything. Yeah. So we were playing this, and then... Yeah, and the truth is, I don't know if I did it or not, but somehow the game reset. And yep. it might have been a combination of buttons I was hitting on the controller accidentally. I think it was, yeah, like a retro arc, retro arch whatever, it, like it, hotkey that was accidentally pressed somehow. It could have been that. I did do some tests after that like trying to hit the same buttons and it didn't reset so i do wonder if it was some kind of weird glitch in RetroArch. could be but we were going we were we were going we were on our way we were on our way to beat this game and we were just going having a blast loving the game 
Um, and then the game reset, and we didn't have the heart or time to go back and do it again, so we moved on to Metal Slug 5. And beat that instead. And we beat that instead, and we did get all the way through that one. But this one, you know, I do wish we would have gone through it. Oh my gosh, it's cool. This game is so awesome. Um, just that. Yeah, well, we'll come back and play and beat this one. We're going yeah. to do it. So anyway, that's that. So it's it's the game that um how, how do they say that the game that no one's heard of like the the best game no one's heard of yeah yeah the best game you've never heard of yep so this is the running game run and gun game of the of the year for me and no one's heard of it so that's too bad i think it deserves a lot more credit so if you can get demon front to run on your main machine of choice absolutely and uh awesome well technically it wasn't Mame. we were i had to use um yeah uh, FBA, what's that called? Uh, Final Burn Alpha. Yeah, Final That's Burn what I Alpha. I had to use to, yeah, to do it. So, cool, cool. That is our winner. Well deserved, Taiwan. Agreed. And I believe it, Eric, that might be our show. Wow, another uh, one in the books. We kept it under uh, two hours and twenty minutes. I'm impressed with us. Yeah, we kept it concise. Excellent. Uh, again, as we mentioned, on our next episode, we will be uh, catching up with our buddy Tim, uh, who you heard earlier here. Um, we are also going to be listening to my little segment on Pico 8 games you need to play when you first uh, try using your Pico 8. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, we are also going to have our game show, which is always fun and hilarious. Hosted by Tim. And I think we have some birthday presents that need to be open. Ooh! birthday presents awesome my goodness so until next time eric remember it's it's dangerous dangerous to go go alone thank you again for listening you can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at theproject. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's oddba one one four nine. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>